and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 242. We're we're almost at the double Pokemon number, the sequel Pokemon number. I don't know. I is it strange we measure this podcast in Pokemon releases? Who knows? But it's how we do it at this point, apparently. Welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast. This is I, Mordak, aka Charlie, joined by Alex, aka Mave Online, and Henry, aka Kraken Zero. But as threatened, promised, I'm not quite sure what the right phrase is. Uh, he's not here against his duress. All you assholes have sent emails about that. They were funny, and we're going to read them, but also no. We have a guest this week. Joe, introduce yourself. How's it going, everyone? Uh, I'm Joe. I'm a member of the Galactic Battleground team. It's an indie arcade game. Um, we created the game and then put it in an arcade cabinet, and that made me love the industry and the people in it so much to see this new scene coming up that I created Indie Arcade Wave, which is showcasing all of these small developers um, across the country, and which has now expanded to the world. And I run a podcast called In the Scene by Indie Arcade Wave. Um, from what I hear from uh, Mord, you guys actually checked that out and sent some questions, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. Nothing too specific, but yeah, we definitely got more arcade-facing questions than we typically get. And because we talk about too much pinball, definitely some pinball. But yeah, we'll get to that much later in this podcast, is as our way. Uh, so, Joe, you're new here, so we're not going to throw you in this at first, uh, but we kind of do our, what we've been playing, what we've been up to, it's worth talking about before this. We also actually talked about the official format in a long time. So, Alex, what you been up to since last week? Um, hmm... Well, first off, before I go, can I just mention this awkward that, like, we didn't do our normal, like, sync point thing because we're using new setup for recording, and it it feels off. It's not right. Like, we've broken tradition this time, and I don't like it. So much has changed since the last time I was here. What else has changed, Charlie? I got a COVID shot since last week. That's about it on my end. Oh, okay. Well, actually, speaking of that, I have mine scheduled for tomorrow, actually. so <laughs> Enjoy your COVID shot-powered mutant powers, my friend. They're great. I sh- I sh- I'm looking forward to the Bluetooth addition uh, of my body. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, it'll be nice to have, like, built-in headphones so I can listen to music. Hopefully it doesn't cut off as much. I want uh, laser vision. That's a far better mutant power to pick up. Laser vision would be a good one. I, that's not a bad option. Are you going to go full, like, uh, let's name a... Damn it, what's his name? Uh, Homelander? Oh, no, uh, Homelander. Fuck that. No, fuck I'll talk about the boys in a couple seconds when we get to my week. <laughs> We're going to talk about fucking Cyclops. He dies at the beginning of one of the movies. So let's talk about fucking Homelander. But yeah, no. Um, I'm going to murder a bunch of people at a park protesting me? That does sound like something <laughs> I'd do if I was a dickish superhero. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, I actually really haven't been up to much now that we're getting some more sunlight. Uh, up here in Oregon. It's actually kind of nice. So Ooh. It's up from, what, like 30 yeah. seconds a day to a full hour or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I actually, just in case, though, I actually did finally buy me one of those uh, therapy lights. Whatever you call them. Yeah. Whatever they we just talked about oh, Yeah, those are great. Now. Yeah. These are fantastic. Yeah, I actually like, finally bought one. Yeah, they're like full spectrum and... You're at least like sunlight, similar to sunlight spectrum. Yeah. Where are you based out Actually. of, Joe? Uh, I'm out in uh, just outside of Minneapolis. Okay, so, so yeah, you're not- we we just came out of winter. Um, yeah, it's, you- it's been pretty nice lately. You grew up in that area, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're adjusted to the uh, some to the uh, seasonal affective disorder that if you move from a tropical place or a warmer place to a 
place that kind of shuts down how much sunlight you get every year can cause some actually relatively severe mental health issues. And there's a whole world of like therapy lights that replicate seeing the sun on a more frequent level that have been proven to actually help people in dramatic ways. And we've been telling Alex to get one for what, two years now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, no, those are, uh, those are really popular up here, especially during the winter uh, for people that work in offices. They usually have mm. them um, just because, I mean, like you said, moving from a tropical place to a place that has winter. I mean, it's worse when you deal with it every single year. Like it, you, you don't get to skip the seasonal depression just because you live somewhere that gets cold. Yeah. 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 So I, I figured, and uh, yeah, so I will, I guess uh, I will report back my findings on that one since I uh, just recently, I think I just got it in the mail. Like what, yesterday actually? Yeah, I just got it yesterday and I used it for a bit and it was kind of nice. So we'll see how it goes. I have seen that they have those in alarm clocks. So I mm. may actually invest in an alarm clock version where like in the morning it just lights up and shines the shit out of you. So like I feel like that might be an option as well. We'll see. So um but yeah. Uh beyond that, uh I so I finally got my new video card. It it came in the mail. Nice. It was not uh, it was not a, a heckin' spoof. It was legit. So uh I have as of right now a NVIDIA GTA or RTX thirty eighty sitting in my computer now. Uh, so. What style arc of the covenant did it get delivered into you out of curiosity? Because <laughs> this thing obviously came from like an illegal warehouse or something. <laughs> uh I cannot disclose this in kind of information, unfortunately. There. This is secret. Uh I may have contacted Nikolai Tracksuit to, to see if he knew anybody who could get a hold of one and Nikolai tracksuit in his great legitimate business ways delivered. So, uh, yeah, but it's, I, I, it's nice. Can you notice a difference? I guess, like, obviously the answer is probably yeah. Oh, it's fucking night and day. Like, hmm. I came from an RX 580. Ah. Like, that's what I had before. Yeah. So, like, the jump from that to an art, like, the, the 3080 is insane. And I'm still only running at 1080p. Like, that's a, this is a 4K card essentially, so I could run 4K if I wanted to, but it's 4K 60 enabled technically. Yeah, so I, I but my monitors only one of my monitors supports 4K, mm. um, but I don't run anything at 4K because I just feel like that's over the top for my taste. Um, I would very much prefer the higher frame rate, so I may get myself from 1440p monitors at some point, um, but as it stands right now. Uh, yeah, no, it runs, it runs everything great. It's, it's really nice, I have to say. So, um, it's gotta be nice going, like, I can play anything I want right now, more or less, graphic wise. Pretty much. Like, I loaded up GTA 5 and, like, maxed out the settings. And it only slightly lagged. It doesn't. Oh, damn. Yeah. Well, because you also remember, I have an art, was it, I have a Ryzen 7. Yeah, that's uh, true. 30. You have a beastie thing. Yeah, so it's it's really great. So thank you, tax return. This is worth it. Yeah. Well, that's the other best part about it is I didn't have to pay the stupid scalper fee. Like I literally paid MSRP plus tax from where I got it from, um, and you know I gave my friend a finder's fee and shipping. That was it. 
So all in all, like compared to what you would find a 3080 out there from scalpers and all the other bullshit, I paid way less. So I I am happy. Have you begun emailing the people you know that bought a tw- uh, 2080 to be like, oh, uh, so what's that uh, basic ass card like? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the crazy thing is it's so bad right now that even the people with the 2080s are fucking rocking it. Like they're still great. Because it's the market's so bad right now. Yeah. Like, dude, so <laughs> there was a, what's it called? There's a, a couple of friends of mine keep tabs on like the cost of like cards right now, specifically mm-hmm. because of all the, uh, like all the crypto miners and all this dumb sure, stuff yeah. going on right now. So these, an RX 570 is considered a deal at $329. Like, just to give you an idea. Yeah. A GTX 970 is going for 350 and that's considered, like, okay. Like, those are old fucking cards, man! Yeah. They're, they're yeah, everything's going, going for insane prices right I now. I wonder what I could sell my 980 for right now to curiosity. You absolutely could sell it for probably 400 Jesus. Yeah, yeah prices yeah. have gotten, even on used stuff, prices yeah. have gone way up. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. It's it, it is a seller's market right now for for not just video cards, but um power supplies. Yeah. Because all the all the miners, all the crypto mm-hmm. miners are crushing it. You can it buy help. my overpowered power supply from my cold, dead, irradiated fingers. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad I future proofed my rig with a yeah. with a higher power supply because so my old RX five eighty had one uh six pin connector for the video card. Sure. The 3080 yeah. uses three six-pin connectors. Oh wow! I'm yeah. My, uh, luckily, my yeah, my power supply would actually be able to cover that. Fortunately, it has enough for that. But that's 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 a lot. It's insane. I'm only like, using okay. half the plugs my computer has available on the power supply <laughs> yeah. right now. Because <laughs> I'm but, a crazy person that bought like a god thousand watt. Uh, no, 1400 Of course you did. Yeah, of course I did. Jeez. I want to crush a child with my power supply if it drops from a building. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good card so far? Like, installs oh, yeah. and all that jazz? It is great. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like it a lot. I, I'm very, very happy. Uh, so... Yep, definitely worth it. And now I don't have to buy anything for another five years, video cards-wise. Yeah. The next upgrade will probably be some hard drive stuff, because like I said, I have to put together my my Plex rig. So that'll be part two. But beyond that, like, it's... Yeah, I'm happy. That's pretty much where I've been, is just now that everything's loaded up, I'm like, ah, play all the games. Play all the games in great high def. So. Turn on all the textures, just max out them shadows. Yeah, it's it's like it was like the stimulus of graphics for me. The stimulus <laughs> stimulus check of graphics. It's like you get there, like stimmy hits, and it's like turn up ultra graphics on everything. Sure. I want other people's physics rendered. So no? yeah, it's it's good. I'm happy. That I'm happy being said, happy. I'm not breaking your house down to your graphics card. That's a separate topic. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Other than that, 
Uh, well, I guess like, now that you have the super-powered VR card, you're looking to get into some VR bullshit with it, or just I'm now nice. enjoying that borderline 4K 180 uh, frames a second lifestyle? I'm thinking about at some point getting some sort of VR setup. It would be kind of cool to have a VR setup, especially because, like, so my my computer setup sits in its own office area in my yeah, house. You're the person so. I know that actually has the space to, like, map out that 20 by 20 floor space for a VR space. I do, yeah. yes. Yeah. So it would it would work out. I don't know why you do a full twenty by twenty, but you can at least would... do ten by ten, and that's enough for yes. most games. Oh, absolutely! I, I can definitely do a ten by ten setup. Yeah, my office is big enough for that. So you can make it cooler, like with like caution tape and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's the VR uh, yeah. zone. Stay out of the VR zone. I look forward to freaking out with like some sort of VR shit and punching the drywall in my house. It'll be great. So. Um. Yeah. Beyond that, though, it's it's nice. I don't know if I'll. I don't know if I feel like investing directly into a VR headset. Like I said, there are others, other upgrades I'd like to do. Sure. Especially with like wanting to get the Plex server up and running. Uh, but or at least a Plex server running that's not on my main rig. Better way to phrase it. So I I feel you. Elite Dangerous stuff comes out. Like new stuff starts happening tomorrow. And I've never thought about buying a wraparound monitor more in my life, even though I hate wraparound monitors. It's like, I don't need it for all the games I play, but Elite Dangerous is a wraparound monitor. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's it for me. I don't have much else. So, uh, but yeah, let me hear about you guys. What's going on with you, Cool Cats? You feel like you got this enough, Joe, to jump in on this, or should we do one more for you? Oh, I can jump in on it. Yeah, that seems cool. fine to me. Um, yeah, lately I've been just playing a lot of indie games that I've been finding, uh, just trying to find new guests for the show. Uh, Matt Glanville is one that I've been playing a ton of. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with any of the indie games, but he made one called uh, Switch and Shoot. Um, it's like a one-button tap kind of game where you're the ship, you hit the button, you go left or right, but you also fire at the same time. Um, I played it in an arcade a couple times. It was absolutely terrible. I think I scored like three or four points <laughs> and died in about a second and got it on my computer. And I think I've sunk like eight hours into it in the last week. Um, very repetitive, but so much fun. Um, it appears to be out on almost everything at this point, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I stepped away from World of Warcraft. Um, that was one that I was playing a lot and fell right back into the hole of League of Legends. <laughs> so, a, oh god! Give him one addition for another. I cycle through them. It seems like every time I play league and I get really mad about ranked and I back out of that, I pick up WoW within a month and then just flip flop between them like crazy. That has got to be the most vicious gaming circle I know. When I play Destiny, it is yeah, it is. Uh, I, I don't know. How, I can't get out of it. I don't. I don't know what it is. But I got sucked in from a, a buddy from high school. Started playing, and he was like, "I need your help." So I was like, "Okay, I'll play." And then I was like, "Oh, this is actually kind of fun." Why is um, League the goddamn like crystal meth of video games? Like, it's I can never really quit this, but I could stop playing it for periods of time. It's yeah, always someone I mean, you know that's like, "Oh, just try it." We've got World of Warcraft and I guess League of Meth. Like, it's it's the truth. Like, you just you drop one addiction, just get sucked right back into the other one. Use one um, off the other. <laughs> pretty much. Um, other than that, yeah, not not too much other than just uh, recording a bunch of episodes. This is, I don't know, this week I just felt felt ambitious, and I think I recorded four this week. Jesus. Um, 
got a interview with a guy from France, from Spain, um, and then one in Florida. And it, yeah, I was just kind of all over the place. Um, and then I started watching uh, My Hero Academia. I don't know if, if any of you are into oh, that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it's, it's been one that has been highly recommended to me for a long time. I guess it's just super popular and started watching it and I'm really, really digging it. But that's, I mean, that's pretty much, pretty much what I've been up to. Oh, and since the snow melted, uh, disc golf been getting out a lot and enjoying the sun because, uh, I'm really, really sick of snow. And now that it's gone, I want to get as much sunlight as possible. So I, I question about the disc golfing part, actually. So. How many of the different disc golfing discs do you have? Because I knew someone that had like a full like setup bag for all his different. I guess what's the correct phrase for like what? There's a specific name for. I'm blanking on it right now. But he had like easily twenty different situational. They're not frisbees discs, I guess. At that point, for like every possible iteration of a course. Yeah, I mean the word's kind of interchangeable. You can call them discs. You can call them frisbees. It doesn't really matter. Um, people that play call them both. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a full disc bag. My, my brother-in-law is semi-pro, so I go play tournaments with him. Um, my little brother is getting pretty good and kind of aspiring to go that same route. Um, I think I've got probably 12 or 15 discs in my bag. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, Whoa. it's like, it's like golf. I mean, you think about a golf bag and you've got multiple drivers, you've got wedges, you've got irons, you've got putters. I mean, it's, it's the same idea. You're taking, whether you're, you're driving four or 500 yards or you're, putting 30 you know you're, I know. I, you're gonna I never want to throw a could, different disc i never knew you could have that many versions of essentially a frisbee until i went one time and there's a place near my house that i will never check out because i don't really enjoy frisbee that much but like seeing the people line up for it's like damn that's some fancy throwing equipment you got there yeah it's it's just a matter of the the edge of the disc how thick the disc is how heavy it is whether it's rounded or a kind of more of a pointed edge yeah. it's it's the same idea as golf. It's just a lot cheaper and very easily accessible. So my understanding there's kind of two schisms. There's the very kind of basic, no frills visually on the disc, and there's the kind of like crazy paint job and like reflective stuff. Which camp do you fall into on this? Where is it just a whatever one you can get your hands on approach? Um, kind of whatever. I mean, I guess when I first got into it, I was like, ooh, the flashy ones look really cool. And as I've been playing longer, it's just... I just want the basic disc with like the stamp that just says prodigy or Innovo. Like it, it, it doesn't matter when you, when you break it down, it's the exact same disc. Yeah. It's just, do you want to pay $12 for it? Or do you want to pay $50 for it? Yeah. No, it's like, you're going to throw that potentially put it in the water and never get it back. So I'd rather throw away 12 bucks than 50. Yeah. I, 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 the one time I, when I saw someone throw, I think the, my buddy told me it was like, that guy just threw 75 bucks off that cliff by accident. And I'm like, that's a poor choice. And that's, that's cheap. I mean, there yeah. are some collector's discs that are 10 years old that are selling for seven, $800. You know, just like, Jeez. I would never throw that ever. That would sit on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it for me, for what I've been doing. How about the rest of you guys? Well, since you brought up your academia, I didn't do much this week either. I, because apparently I had a Stadia credit of some kind. I know that's even a thing. They're like, ah, you have 10 bucks to spend. I bought Doom 64 and then proceeded to not play it on Stadia because Stadia, and I'd have to find my controller to do that. But what I did do was I watched Invincible, which now it completes the Amazon dual deconstruction effort of the superhero genre, I guess. So who here knows of the comic Invincible? I do. Anyone else? I do not. All right, so... Know. 
we're, the boys is superheroes would inherently be terrible because of course they would and kind of grim dark and power absolute and power corrupts absolutely invincible goes the opposite direction where it's totally not dc slash marvel like there's a bunch of that's definitely not batman that's darkwing kind of thing stuff going on and it kind of it, it toes the line of okay yeah what if superheroes weren't inherently terrible and they did their jobs correctly and things were fine but superman was actually evil from the jump like homelander evil no like uh double agent sent to earth to prepare it for conquest evil and that's what the whole thing revolves around it Tadley revolves around Superman's son, who the show mostly kind of deals with the whole idea of, okay, what would it actually be like to be Superman's kid? No, actually, like, like if you're not born with superpowers like Superman was, would that be incredibly weird for your parents? And also, like, what happens when suddenly you're throwing garbage cans into orbit when you hit puberty and stuff like that? I, it's, it's a cool show. It's bloody and it's dark. The Amazon version is... It's got kind of that um, high-end uh, DC animated movie vibe and the animation quality. It looks nice. The gore is appropriately kind of, Jesus, that's a brutal kill kind of thing going on. And I give it points for, having read the comics, I know where the thing is going from the jump, and they get right to it, I guess. Like uh, Omni-Man, who's the uh, superhero, uh, Superman stand-in for this, does the Omni-Man thing in the first episode, which is why I'm comfortable talking about it. And... The acting's really good. Uh, the guy that played uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies plays, uh, does the voice acting for Omni-Man, which is a just inspired casting choice for it. Like, it's who I picture that guy being voice-wise every time I read those comics. I, if Boys was a little bit too over the top for you, but you want to read a equally kind of important and well-done deconstruction, or I guess watch in this case, deconstruction of the superhero genre, I recommend checking this one out. Like, it's more... I'm not going to call it family friendly because uh, not Superman definitely like puts his fist through someone and rips their spine out in the first episode. So that's the thing that happens. But yeah, it's it's not as ridiculously over the top. Like if you've watched the boys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like there's no dolphin and then murder on a highway antics or anything like that. No one murders a whale with a boat by accident. You should also still watch the boys. because It's better, but that's just me talking. Yeah, I. Pretty slow week on my part. I've fallen way the fuck down the AFK arena hole. I got two heroes that synergize really well, and I just kind of rode that train of how long do I not have to level them up ever again until I hit like a problem I couldn't beat by them, and I've yet to get there. So I have a lot of currency in that game I haven't spent yet, which is awesome, but also really speaks to that game's very busted tier list problems that after last week's podcast, I dug into a little bit. It's like, yeah, if you can get these two, you're kind of unbeatable for the first, for like, from level 50 to level, like, 150. And I'm like, okay, neat. And they weren't lying. But, yeah, no, slow week on my part. Uh, lots of editing and stuff like that for various podcast stuff as well. Henry, what have you been up to? I know you got up to something. All right, so haven't didn't really get up to playing many much in the way of games this week. I'm still playing the My Little, My Little Pony mobile game, and they just recently. I had you didn't a little... like that. No, I did like it. Oh, I, I was under the impression you were kind of frustrated with this currency situation. Oh no, it's I'm not. It's just slower. I mean, sure. I'm not going to find any other game that's as just j- stupidly generous as sure. as a King of Fighters All Star, but. I'm enjoying it. It's a it's more of an idle game, so I don't 
don't really have to focus on it so hard. Now you're speaking but, my language. Yeah. And so they're running a little mini campaign. They with they do this all the time with just the you know, like kind of characters that they only offer for a little while and then they don't for a long time. That's kind of how they, you know, lure you in. But in this case, it was a uh, little res- pro wrestling themed promotion, so of course I had to get oh, in. They got on their it. hooks at you hard, then. Oh yeah, so- oh yeah. So I end up all right. So one of the characters I just outright decide to drop some money on and buy because it's the lucha version of one of the like main characters. And then if you just play through the like finish the kind of promotional game mini game you get another character, uh, which is another one of the kind of main six characters as it, in Lucha form. So, As someone who owns a Pico Libre somewhere in my house, I understand the draw of any character in Lucha. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's one thing I did kind of. There again, it doesn't really take that much of my... my uh, yeah, I can just do it idle. So, yeah. Other than that, I've been watching the uh, the spring tournament, sumo spring tournament. I'm I've been a big fan of sumo. I've talked about it before on this podcast. I talked about the anime that came out not too like a couple of years ago. That was all about sumo. But yeah, the uh, the spring tournament was on the Harubasho. And what are you watching this, that on? I should check that out. Uh. You can watch it on NHK. You can get the uh, kind of roundup on NHK World official site, and they do they did like thirty minute or so roundup of like the just the upper division, the uh, Makuuchi division. Uh, the they show the other ones as well. Like if you have, I mean, if you have just if you have NHK World as a channel, you can just watch the entire thing. But in any case, you can find sort of all the mat- all the upper division matches on their website and in their app, I believe, as well. Uh, in any case, yeah, was, this one was really exciting. There was one big but kind of expected kind of retirement of a one of the two current Yokozuna. And the thing is, all right, so there's ranking. There's very kind of very strict specific ranking for sumo for the rikishi for the uh, for within sumo and the up to ozeki which is sort of the second highest i suppose you get to ozeki and the other ones by just wins by having a certain amount of wins in a division and by winning tournaments and there is sort of a lower requirement sort of basic requirements for yokozuna but it's an honorary one. That is, it's not just based on wins. It's based on overall attitude and demeanor. And so it's chosen more carefully. Whereas you can just get Ozeki by getting the number of wins in tournaments and winning tournaments and such. But in any case, yeah, one of the, one of the two right now retired, but was kind of expected had been out for injuries for for several for for a long time and had been plagued by injuries for a while, but is it's a sumo is a brutal brutal sport. I mean, it's got to take a toll on your knees just based on the weight aspect of it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like while they are quite muscled, 
they also pile on amount of fat because that helps you. It's easier to put on that type of weight. Like what they'll do is they super carb load like in the week or so before the tournament so that they can just put on a little extra weight that helps as long as it's not so much that they can't do what they normally do physically. But case, this, one- to, uh, this is SoCal uh, sumo tournament that happens. I think it's twice a year. Obviously it's not happening right now because health yeah. reasons. Ever get a chance no, to go I've, to that? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've, yeah, it's, it, this one was, but this, yeah, this uh, official tournament was really exciting because there's, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of heavy competition, though we won't probably be seeing anybody rise to the rank of Yokozuna for a while because nobody's quite at that level, but it's very competitive. And that's why it's kind of harder to see, I think, s- sort of a, you know, clear leader because the, yeah, uh, because the competition right now is extremely tight. Like there's a lot, there's several very solid Rikishi right now in the, hmm. in the upper division. So, and some up and comers in the lower divisions as well. So, uh, I look forward to that. So that's been fun. That's been that last, the last night of that was just, or the last day of that was just yesterday. So, uh, it, yeah, it was very tight all the way to the end and very exciting. If anybody plans on watching it, I'm not going to spoil any of the matches. But it, in other news, I uh, I had internet internet went out for like a very long time, and while I have plenty to do outside of the internet, I eventually I end up watching one of my DVDs that I picked up that I just had not watched yet, and and I'm pretty sure it's the last set of DVDs. I haven't watched them all yet. I only watched one of the three that I that I have of an anime called Speed Grapher. And it's it's pretty fun, pretty cool. I like the plot line, I like the sort of powers. Alright, so essentially the main character is a former war photographer. Oh yeah, uh, I love that one. It's the uh you get the like innermost desire power thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one's fucked. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Saiga is the character's name, main kind of one of the co-main characters' name. And yeah, he has a, he gets a, you know, I guess this is a 2005 anime, so I don't feel too bad about giving away too much about it. But yeah, he he basically is a former war photographer and gains an ability where it, when he wants to, he can anything he takes a picture of it blows up like just ridiculously explodes whether it's the side of a building or somebody's face have you so, gone to him augmenting that with different cameras yet no i've only watched four episodes okay yeah it's i watched some other stuff to it that's really cool when they get into it yeah i, I only watched the first dvd of it i only have three of the six dvds so I but it, it maybe Funimation has it on. I mean, it's fun. It's a Funimation I, yeah. anime, so maybe they oh, no, might yeah. have it on their you know on their streaming service. I'd be able to catch the rest of that. But yeah, I yeah I enjoyed it. It's wild. It's set in sort of near future Tokyo, and yeah, actually, it's a lot of fun. And so 
If you yeah, want to show about people weaponizing fetishes, that is the show for you. It's cool in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's absolutely wild. And yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching it. It uh it's I feel like it builds at a pretty good pace. Like I think the pacing's all right. That is like it's I never felt bored in an episode or like I was like get on with it. Is there's there's a lot to tell because they're trying to really build the universe as well as introduce all of these characters and not give them, sh- you know, sort of too short of a intro or screen time. So I think that that's always difficult when you just have lots of characters that kind of are very involved in the plot and you want to make sure that they're well introduced at that though four episodes in you're still got sort of, there's a lot of mystery still. And so there's a lot that that still is yet to be told and I look forward to it. I mean, I think, so yeah, it's been great so far, and I've been enjoying it. And yeah, fourth episode, I'll probably watch some more in the you know not too long. You know, make it make my way through my DVDs, and then see if Funimation has it on their streaming service. But yeah, that okay. was the show when it came out. It was kind of the "Do you miss Gantz?" show. It was the "If you miss Gantz, you'll probably like Speed Graffer." Mm, or, yeah, I could I could see some yeah. sort of ties in between the two Gantz I never watched but I did read a lot of it that came out right yeah. around when I was living in in Japan so I I actually read quite a bit of that but in any case yeah speed grapher interesting anime not sure about its availability now because it's like 16 years old but yeah I think it ages fine there again it's kind of based in the near future and that's and so yeah doesn't seem like it's aged too badly quite yet yeah yeah that's that's pretty much for me yeah most of my week was more sort of watching things rather than playing things i i mean i i guess yeah i you know i played a couple of the you know I, i have console games and so i occasionally you know my NES and my Genesis. I still occasionally play Genesis games, just just whenever. But I yeah. found myself watching multiple streams of the Suez Canal situation, so I'm not mm. one to judge how anyone spent their week at this point. That's mm. yeah. So I made a video game of that where you play as one of the bulldozers. That's just that was just futilely. See, I want to play help. as the boat, and like it's, it's called Don't Crash or something like that, and it's the it's an impossible game at that point, I guess. I don't know. Like that whole situation is bizarre to me. Yeah, it's it's one of the very maybe the first time in ever that the canal had been properly completely blocked. Yeah, but or a video yeah. game podcast, not a yeah world news podcast. <laughs> news time. Of, yeah. Speaking of which, news time. Where the hell do we start this week? It's such a weird week in news. Uh, you want to talk about Lydia Sobeski real quick? Sobieski, my bad. Sure. 
All right, so we got a new Tekken character revealed, and it is Lydia Sobieski, the fictional prime minister of Poland. You know, an obvious poll for Tekken characters. <laughs> yeah, by this, I mean, looking at the rest of the cast, which includes like dinosaurs and kangaroos and bears, I think this isn't this isn't too far from their general formula. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten a prime minister or legal official sooner, in all honesty, of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She looks yeah, cool. She yeah. does. She does. Pretty legit looking character. Um, I watched the trailer. Uh, well, at least I saw the trailer reaction with Max. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, cool. If you like Tekken, kudos to you. I don't really play Tekken, so... I Every time they reveal a new character that looks cool, I'm like, I should get back into Tekken, and then I stop myself from doing that, because I don't have time to get back into Tekken. As yeah, we, I'm good. <laughs> I, I still stand by Hihachi did nothing wrong, but... Uh, yeah, speaking I, of fighting games, uh, a new Melty Blood game got announced. Uh, I've just fucking nowhere, as is Melty Blood's way of doing that. I continue to have no idea what the hell a Melty Blood fighting game is, but they look cool still. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Like even early when the first one came out, it was just like which it kind of came out of nowhere. It was this great looking, you know, game with amazing art and yeah, it literally just kind of like, oh, this fighting game from like yeah. Not really well, you know, from a company that's more well known for visual novels. So yeah, allegedly they're really good, so I, I can't knock them. Like people have been really happy when that thing got added to Evo. So, oh yeah, no, no, the game, like the game mechanics, are absolutely fantastic, which makes it also like, where did how, <laughs> like how did this come to exist? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess one of the big factors too, other than like some of the mechanics that are coming back, is rollback netcode, which is one of the biggest. Oh things yeah. That- People, you know, obviously the, the the fighting game community really likes in their games is having a good net code, and the rollback net code is amazing. It's not just fighting game. game community; everyone wants rollback net code. You can get yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's at fun. least it's being considered, or at least I mean, they said it's coming back in there, but at least that's something that's on people's radars again, which is good because shitty net code makes an experience so bad. And if anything, like last year proves, like how bad netcode can be that it removes you off the list of games for Evo. Yep. Like, yep. yeah. And how good netcode gets you in those two games. Like, last year, Blind Up was them's fighting herds, which I was looking forward to seeing that competition because I play that game. I still say that it's one of the most unique fighting games uh, mechanics-wise because it Every character is like it's from a different game, different mechanics. But in any case, it has great netcode. It has awesome rollback netcode. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that gets you considered for Evo. And But we'll see if uh, Sony lets anybody else into Evo. Yeah. I'm kind of sad Alex wasn't here for us to talk about how Dead smashes that last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you talking about? It's, it is there. It's just been rebranded to PlayStation All-Stars. 
<laughs> so you also watch the Keith Crew video. Got it. Yeah. Uh, to take us to a side tangent for a second, though, uh, Joe, you spend more time looking at the kind of arcade scene than we do. Is the topic of how you, I guess, you bring that stuff online more of a thing? Though, like obviously in the fighting game community, it's definitely a thing we talk about. But I, given kind of the last year we've had and how it's impacted arcades and stuff like that, has there been kind of an idea of okay, maybe you keep the stuff alive by linking these things together in a more kind of meaningful way? Um, I know that's an idea that a lot of people have toyed with and considered in the arcade community. Um, it is kind of a tough thing to do, though, just because. Oh, like, sure, yeah. If if you're if you're linking people on like PlayStation or whatever, it seems to be a little easier just because you have like a central network and it's always running, and there's always yeah. a lot of people playing some of these games. With the arcade, it'd be like you'd be linking from Chicago to Minneapolis to Fort Lauderdale, like all over the place, and it it just seemed a lot harder especially with a lot of the new games that are coming out they're coming from such small studios these guys don't have the money to run servers um but it's definitely something that we've we've kind of tossed the idea around of like having the ability to connect by machines um at our studio slackers inc and it's 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 a really tough thing to do but it's definitely something that could show promise i mean if if the scene got big enough and, right, and I only ask because we talk, we get up on here and we talk about, oh, yeah, just does everyone do rollback netcode. It's so easy and it's it's not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of a challenge. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it'd be really nice if we could connect across arcades. Um, that's definitely something that we want to do, but it's a matter of who's going to take on that challenge, really. Yeah. Well, there's an arcade network already, someone. Yeah. I mean, there are some games that have been, that are all, already hooked up to you know, internet as it's, as it stands in mainly in Japanese arcades. Right. Yeah, right. They've done that for a while. Yeah. They've been doing that for quite a while, but and yeah. I mean, Japanese arcades are just monstrous compared to our arcades here too. I mean, you're talking like yeah. a mall as opposed to like a small little pizzeria. Yep. But yeah. I can't dominate an obscure arcade game for a mom and pop pizzeria. What's the point of dominating that <laughs> arcade game? Yeah. Uh, I guess kind of keeping with our weird anime topic for a quick second let's talk about genshin impact for a second uh henry and my favorite game to talk about at this point <laughs> and that's not getting better this week uh yeah so genshin impact has surpassed one billion sales purchases how do you talk about genshin dollars impact when it comes to dollars one billion yeah. dollars yeah one billion dollars sorry in the six months it's been out there i know at least four people that have contributed to that game in an uncomfortably high way but yeah, it's it's going nowhere apparently. Yeah, I have not played it ever. I've, I've tried watching it. I mean, it seems to have like just generally like ordinary mechanics for sort of in you know a, a third person adventure style game. But yeah, I, if I'm wrong, Joe, it seems to be very popular in the league communities. Weirdly enough. I have no idea. I just came oh. back into the league community, and that's <laughs> fair. I don't really know much about Genshin Impact. Uh, yeah, every, it, it, it's grossed a billion dollars, and I've never heard about it. I, it is popular, at least in some of the WoW circles, because I know a bunch of my WoW guildies play that a lot. So when they're not raiding, they're, <laughs> they're playing yeah, I was going to say, everyone I know that plays League still is like a massive Genshin Impact fan. Well, it's yeah. it's just like... Take the general gameplay of Breath of the Wild and add in super addictive gotcha, and which is that's it's it's gotcha impact. I mean, really, it's uh, that's really that's how they make all their money. It's 
free to download. It's free to play, but it's like everything. If you want to get a lot of gotcha pulls, it's going to cost you some money. You'll get a certain amount that are free, but you know, people, myself included, will pay for stuff. Like I've paid for things on the two mobile games that I play. Not that much, but yeah, I mean, that's they 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 basically hit a gold mine on something that yeah I I'm, I was surprised that something like Genshin Impact didn't happen earlier. I guess for me, just knowing the you know third person sort of action adventure style game, yeah, plus plus gotcha equals absolute. Uh, I guess they had to create you know it it take a while to build that business model properly, but yeah, I'm not surprised. No, I hear you. I, I this is gonna sound weird. I'm more surprised it took off in the West the way it did. I guess like that. Mm. That thing seems kind of like prime for ja- uh, kind of Japanese and other Asian territories. And I, I'm amazed it had the penetration over here that it did. But at the same time, though, too, you and I spend too much time angrily grumbling about that, and Joe gets <laughs> to blissfully not know it exists, and he's better off for it. <laughs> I am not surprised that it took off, only because there are so many waifus in that game. Yeah, yep. according to you? my guildies, that's not your waifus. Yeah, yep. That's that's where they get you. I'd like to point out that we're the first people to ever say um, gotcha impact. Do not steal that line. We're definitely the inventors of it. Yep. (laughs) Where to go from here? You want to talk about WoW real quick? We're kind of on the topic vaguely. Sure. All right. So in a apparently controversial move to some, uh, me and Henry don't play WoW, so we can only rely on our guest and our resident WoW expert, our man on the street, if you will, for uh, the full hot take on this one. Uh, Blizzard has announced they will be removing the 30, 90, and 180-day game purchasing options from World of Warcraft, leaving only the 60-day option. That's a little under two months, technically. Uh, Alex, you said you buy by the month, right? Uh, I buy six months. Oh, gotcha. So that's not going away. I read this as they're dropping it down to you can only buy six months of the 60 days at a time thing like the month approach was even going away and all that jazz but it sounds like that's not the case no so i guess just to clip some clarification for it on that they're not getting rid of this this change does not affect monthly subscriptions this only changes the allotment of buying certain amount of game time like if i wanted to buy like a 30-day card kind of thing as opposed to paying for a monthly sub um so this is only changing that aspect of it. So for somebody like me who buys the six-month sub because I play it all the time, it's it doesn't affect me specifically. So I know there has been some hubbub about it. Honestly, I, I, I personally don't get it because I sub into WoW. So um, I think it... I don't know if it affects like the Asian region more mainly because I think they mm. they pay more like I don't think they do subscriptions in like China and all that stuff. I think they do like the day game times. Yeah, I was gonna say the sure. uh, the cards are way more popular with buying it like a convenience or buying your WoW time and stuff like that. Like that was a in the first time I heard about buying WoW time off of a credit card essentially. I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Just go to the website and dump the digits in. Yeah. 
So, I mean, again, they also, the big speculation is like switching it to this 60 day chunk now and just having it that is to kind of push people more towards the subscriptions mm. because metrics, which everyone loves, when you see more wow subs, it means that, oh, you know, that's a good thing. You've got more subscriptions. That's a good thing, kind of thing. Well, it's a sad uh, forget it at that point, too. Like, you're more likely to forget to cancel your subscription if you let it lapse. Exactly. So more than likely that's the case. Um, so it's just kind of leaning people, more people towards that, which again, makes sense given it's Activision wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, and if anybody still thinks that Blizzard and Activision are two separate entities, yeah, you're fucking full of it. Activision's um, running it. Yeah. They're not separate entities. They, they're completely entrenched their hooks into Blizzard now that it's, Yeah. But Blizzard would shows. never betray my years of devotion to them. Well, Activision makes Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, again, it's it's one of those changes that just kind of leads into that. It could also just be consolidating all of it. Who knows? Yeah, uh, if, if they were to pitch this as, hey, people don't buy these and here's the number, we won't make less plastic cards out there, I'd be more okay with that. But because it is Activision Blizzard, you can't take that at face value or even assume that about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing too is like, it makes sense that they want you to have more subscription numbers because, um, and this is something we actually haven't talked about in the podcast, but somebody was doing, they were doing some number research recently on there. And since Shadowlands released, Blizzard has lost close to half their subscription count since Shadowlands release. So huh. sub number really? wise, sub number wise, they've lost Close to 50%. It's somewhere around like 40-something. Wow. So, I'm really not that surprised. I mean, the raid was pretty difficult on launch, and they didn't release that many dungeons. Like, I personally left because the content got stale. I got bored. Yeah. Oh, and it gets even more interesting because they're saying 9.1 probably won't even come out till August. That's way too long. Yep. So we've got not only a big content drought potentially coming in for the first patch, uh, you've got dwindling numbers already. Like it's, it's so that's interesting to know. Because anecdotally, I've heard that people are like, "This is like the best. This is a fantastic expansion." Which okay. so for for like the the more hardcore crowd, there are people who play more, like myself. Sure, it's a great expansion. Like compared to BFA, there are a lot of great things that this expansion gets right. Uh, I will say, but there's also a lot of stuff that it just they still just get really wrong because they think they know best on like having energy caps on switching out conduits and things like that, or, you know, like capping out how much soul ash you can grind, where it takes you forever to grind out a max level legendary things. like I always, that. I always thought that was dumb. Torghast was not enjoyable to me. And the conduit thing really bothered me because they wanted to make this so that the elite players can't just roll through stuff. And it, it just makes it harder for them. But as a casual player, I don't care if they just roll through it. Like they say they're doing this for the casual player, but at the same time, like most of us don't even care if they're going to just roll through the content because we still have to go through it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. like the, the the high end super hardcore players are always going to find a meta. They're always going to find like the way best way to optimize shit, regardless of the public player base. Like that's just try to build around that like that That's idea just why elite work. rating guilds exist yeah it's it's yeah these people also technically know life when new raids come out like that's yeah. that's their niche that's what they do <laughs> so 
Like I said, we have two opinions on WoW for the first time in a long time on the podcast. <laughs> it feels weird. Well, I was going to ask the kind of important question. So I got the impression that this thing was equal enough to Legion that people were happy. I guess, like, is Legion still the post uh, Lich King high point? I guess. Like, and I guess, is that an accurate representation? I like, guess this is obviously better than the last expansion because the last expansion, I understand, was just kind of not quite Warlords of Draenor bad, but not a so, whole lot better in some ways. It's funny. Like, People shit on Warlords of Draenor, yeah. and like, there's a lot of bad problems with Warlords yeah. of Draenor. But one of the things that Warlords got right was class tuning and balance. Felt really good in Warlords. In BFA, it just felt really shitty, especially towards the end with corruption and like Titan forging and all that shit. Mm. It just it felt horrible. So I mean, maybe, maybe I'm. I mean, I don't know. Uh, if my other wild brethren here can agree with me on this one here, but like BFA probably was worse than Warlords, to be honest. Like, if we were to rank it out, personally speaking. Um, but yeah, it's just. Yeah, Legion had its fair share of weird issues. Like, so one of the biggest problems with Legion was the RNG ness of legendary grinding. Was that like you could have had your legendary drop first and it was the best legendary for your class and you were set. Or you could have had shitty legendaries drop for you. And in which case you would have never been able to play the optimal spec or build or class setup for your character and you would have been SOL. Like you could have been a great player, but if you didn't have the legendary that made you pop, you were, you were dog shit. Like, it was bad. Um, and again, Warlords got class balance correct. Like, buffs were good. Like, some of the raid designs for Warlords were actually pretty good. Despite the huge content drought and all the other nonsense with Warlords and just kind of the general feeling of they kind of just gave up on it. Um, yeah, Warlord class balance was good. So even with like that, if you have good class balance, it feels good. Sure, I think so. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I've I've got kind of a skewed opinion just because I I'm the kind of player that gets really excited about expansions and jumps in and then drops out before the second patch. Like <laughs> I I I didn't play. I played Warlords like in the beginning and then I dropped out. I was playing a Warrior at that point and then mm. got back into Legion and played a Warlock a little bit and dropped out again and then i didn't play battle for azeroth until 8.3 so i didn't even like you're talking about all the legendaries i didn't deal with that i didn't deal with it until like the only legendary you got was the cape so i i just i mean i guess i skipped all the shitty parts it sounds like no and that's why i'm kind of curious in this instance because we only have alex who how many hours of wow do you play a week give or take (laughs) too many Fair, yeah. We don't really have a casual perspective on WoW. The fact we have any perspective on WoW is a uniqueness well, in the gaming podcast space to this I, day. I, still. I guess just to be accurate, I clock in a few hours every day. So, that's like, because I log in and I do some dailies. Mm. Uh, just yeah, get stuff caught up on my character. Common. Yeah. So, um, at least, I would say, at least maybe, if I can get him done pretty quick, quick i can do it probably under two hours 
for both my characters, just like the general set of stuff I normally would do and maybe run a dungeon. Um, but yeah, I could probably do them under two hours. So, um, and then maybe like two days out of the week, I don't really feel like getting on and I won't, but if I do, I'm on for several hours, say the least. And that's the, and this is right now when I'm not actively in the raid. Like when I'm in the raid, I'm, you know, doing a lot more time in. So, cause we raid Friday, Saturday nights. So, but yes, uh, a lot of time, more than I, more than I'm proud to admit. I was, I was pretty active at the beginning of the expansion when I was leveling and gearing and everything. And then once all that kind of slowed down and I got to that, like, when I was at like two Oh five or whatever, I kind of slowed down and pretty much just went to raid, um, just raiding two nights a week. And I think I, I'm, I think I capped at like two fifteen on my, my Destro Warlock. And I was only logging on on Tuesday and Wednesday for three hours a day to play. And that was probably about the last month and a half I was playing. And we got seven of 10 heroic and I stepped away. Yeah. So I guess like we far enough into this expansion though, to ask the question, is this a good expansion or not? Uh, so far it's not bad. Feels uh, better than the last couple to me personally, sure. at least. I yeah, I agree. The zones are really nice. The questing was enjoyable. I I'm not a big questing guy. I usually just run one character because I don't want to level alts. But yeah, I I liked the questing aspect. But personally, I wouldn't really want to do it again. I did it on a rogue and kind of just left him at sixty. The uh, the level of the experience revamp as well that came out with the this expansion feels really good. Having um, the option is nice. Yeah, because I don't. Did I tell you what they kind of revamped now, Charlie? As far as no, the, we've also ran much longer on Wild than I expected us to. So, okay. uh, like, if we get through this quicker, is it going to be a whole other long? It'll thing be really or, quick. Or, right, cool. be really quick. So, one of the weird things with Wild's, or at least the problem with Wild's leveling system, was you had so many different expansions, and each expansion had a section, like, section of zone. Oh yeah, we have talked through. about this. The minutes you can just kind of yeah. play through what you want to at this. You point. play through yeah. one, yeah, through yeah. Chromie, and then yeah. yeah, that's your experience. So. That that optimized things a lot better. So, yeah. But yeah. So far, yeah, I think for what it's worth, this expansion is not bad. Torgas just feels like a pain in the ass, but you know, every expansion has its pain in the ass feature, and I think Torgas unfortunately has become the pain in the ass part. So, yeah. well, moving on from one old grind to an upcoming new grind, let's talk about Outriders for a quick second. And the studio people can fly got out there and detailed their. I think fantastic plans for cheaters in the future. Oh. It's a it's twofold attack. First off, they're going to be quarantined off, so cheaters can only kind of pair with cheaters. But more importantly, on their HUD, they haven't revealed what it's going to look like yet, but they're going to slap a basically a brand that you're a cheater. So if you're a streamer or something, there's no way you can get around that unless you like drop something over it, hypothetically. And I'm hoping they do it like dead center of the screen or something. <laughs> Always a fan of public shaming when it comes to cheaters in video games I play, but yeah. So if you cheated during the demo, you get uh you get the actual release, which is coming up real soon to repent, if you will, and be a good person. But yeah, they're doing a one strike and you're out policy on this one, so we'll see how actively it goes into effect. It's also not a PvP based game at this point in time, so I'll be curious to see what that's like because that doesn't seem to. Cheating in PvE games always baffles me, but I get people do it, so I I don't know at this point, but 
I look forward to playing with someone that's complaining about a weird mark on their screen. Oh, that'll be funny. Yep, Getting yeah. exposed in real time on that one. Uh, it's Oh, yeah. It's a real thing in the Destiny community. This whole YouTube channel is dedicated to tracking down like people that are Twitch streaming. And then mm-hmm. I think, oh, look, they're hacking. Yep. Huh. It's a weird thing. And yeah, and Destiny, like, uh, you know, PvP has a lot of cheating, especially when it comes to trials. And the PC side. Did you get the questionnaire about how cheating has impacted you in Destiny? Uh, I have not logged in Destiny since the new expansion, or a little bit after the new expansion, that is. Uh, Bungie sent out a great one that basically, it's like, do you have any comments? I'm like, I won't play PvP on PC because of cheating problems. They're like, yeah, that's a thing. (laughs) We know. Stop mentioning this. I'm like, no, it's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Moving on from that to one of our favorite whipping boys, we got Fallout 76. They are releasing yeah, in this upcoming summer some new content. It's going to be some story stuff. It's going to be kind of their usual kind of burst of content. And I, for one, look forward to it, wrecking that game in all new fascinating ways for oh, us yeah. to talk about. But stay tuned for that coming this summer. Default 76 fan. I power to you. Has that game gotten good yet? That's a subjective answer. <laughs> I'm just curious. No. I played I played four a lot and saw seventy six and just saw all the issues with it and just never picked it up. Yeah, oh yeah, it just has ongoing issues. It's just it's it's yeah, there's a reason where why we mentioned it. it's just like it keeps coming up because it keeps being broken. Yeah. It's just, it, <laughs> yeah. Is it as bad as it was a year and a half ago? We were just dunking on it every week for a new problem. No, like, and I would say based on everything we've talked about, everything that's been done to this game and just kind of general public reaction to this game. If you're a fan of Fallout 4, Fallout 76 is finally at a point where you might actually enjoy that as a game because, you know, it has NPCs to interact with and stuff like that in it now. Like all the things you think of as mandatory Fallout aspects. They're in the game finally, and this is adding to that, I guess. But yeah, it still seems to have problems. Like, so we got a new roadmap for it, and this summer we're getting these Steel Rain quests, which I'm assuming our Brotherhood of Steel stuff, based on everything they've shown for this. So, yeah, they're adding one of the cooler factions to that game, also one of the worst factions to that game. But well, uh, it's a faction that you know went from being interesting and nuanced to just really kind of boringly just we're all just you know brutal shooty people yeah depending on which game you're playing it's a better or worse version of it yeah and the fallout 3 version of the brotherhood of steel is just wrong that's a whole other separate topic <laughs> yep mm. yeah i i look forward to once again the glut of weirdness that will happen when they add new npcs to this game i you asked about kind of is this game good to play, and the answer to that is that well, they only recently added, or I think maybe it's up and coming, the ability to have multiple camps in the game, which that seems like a thing you'd want to have from the jump, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. I make the sale now, add the content later. And that definitely seems to be the marketing approach they went for this thing. I. As we like to have jokes about, the entire first year of that game definitely seemed to be, uh, 
welcome to the beta that you paid money to be here for. <laughs> very empty, very empty beta as well. Yeah. Desolate. Desolate in a way, more desolate than a Fallout, even a Fallout game should be. It, there's a certain type of desolate. Yeah, the wrong and, type of desolate. Yeah. I guess kind of keeping with announcements, let's talk about Back for Blood. The, is that your most anticipated upcoming game at this point, Henry? Yeah, I'd say so. I, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. games that are co-op, and I love games that, yeah, it's I like games that are like really cooperative, you know, and basically have mechanics that minimally encourage, if not outright, outright require actual teamwork. So, yeah. Well, but, good news. The game hasn't been canceled. Bad news. It's been delayed till October 12th. So they might as well uh, push it to Halloween at this point. Yeah. The spooky month, if you will. Yeah. Makes sense. That's what we're talking about. Newish stuff. Let's talk about. We've got some more details coming out of Nintendo about that new Switch. Upgraded Switch, if you will, that definitely wasn't happening and now is totally happening, despite everyone saying it wasn't for the last year and a half. But yeah, it's apparently going to have some NVIDIA chips that will allow it to upscale to 4K. It will not be true 4K because that would melt a Switch outright unless they're going like, to come like with a three. <laughs> unless they like tape a 380 to the back of this thing. I have no idea how a Switch can handle a 4k but maybe chips got real cool in the last six months and i missed it but yeah it will be the output it won't be looking that good it's a more powerful thing across the board it's it's featuring an nvidia geoforce rtx 20 and an rtx 30 chipset so if that means something to you power to you i got the impression that's using a lot of uh, the more powerful mobile not mobile uh, phone nvidia chips that exist at this point for this type of stuff yeah, it's a system on a chip. Yeah. So it's an on it's not like a separate video card, it's an onboard video card, but a very very powerful one. Yeah. The the one of the things is it it won't really improve the graphical performance of exi- of existing games. Yeah. Because you have to actually program for it for DLSS support for instance. So uh, but they will still, old games will be upscaled to 4K. Like, that's a thing that can definitely be done. It's just that as far as actual speeding up of graphics and graphics content or improvements, that only happens, that will only happen with newer Switch games. So, yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah it makes me still want to buy a Switch, but, yeah, it's just... Not really in my budget to buy a separate console, considering the large number of games I have on my PC. So, but I still yeah. think of buying a Switch as a semi-controversial choice at this point in time. Yeah, especially with the Joy-Con issues. I, I get it. People love Nintendo, and also the portability is nice, but I, I could be wrong, but I still think the actual like number of games I'd want to play on that thing is surprisingly limited well the funny thing is i don't i i don't see myself like carrying it around to play in different places because i don't know usually when i'm going out of the house i'm going to do something Uh, well i guess the other thing is i don't because i'm a little more susceptible to motion sickness i when i'm on public Mm. transit i don't 
play anything or read anything because it usually can make me sick. I betcha. So, yeah, I suppose if I was able to, like, play it on public transport, that would that would be a definite, like, plus, but I don't, so I don't really see myself necessarily picking up a Switch. Speaking Even, of public transit, I guess we want to talk about uh, Nintendo has chosen to pair with uh, Niantic, the makers of Pokemon Go. Remember Pokemon Go, that game that, like, ate the world for an entire summer and now would be potentially dangerous to your health to play effectively? Yeah. Well, they yeah. partied up with them and they're making a Pikmin game. I'm sure that will do well, except for the fact that how are there that many Pikmin? Gotta catch all six of them? <laughs> I'm guessing it'll question. be I'm guessing it'll be just like you'll use you'll be leading them along except in you know laid across you know actually actual backgrounds, you know, live backgrounds. That so, sounds you know, like a great way for me to trick children into walking into oncoming traffic by accident. You know, it's 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 kind of like the you know, with the the Mario Kart thing they did with an actual physical cart going around sure. with a little camera on it. But yeah, it's it's AR. It's just, you know, over, it'll be that's why, uh, that's the way I'm pretty sure it'll be. Like, it'll, it's not going to play like Pokemon Go. The it's exact quote from Niantic is the app will include gameplay activities to encourage walking and make walking more delightful. So I could yeah. see them using the Pikmin as like a currency, maybe like you collect enough Pikmin and then you can get some kind of a reward in the game. Because I mean, like you said, there's only a handful of them. You yeah, that would make sense. All. Well, there was like an elemental thing to it. Like I, the also, battle aspect on- I get the like yeah. what you're doing with the Pikmin when you're not battling that one. I guess I'm confused by like. Are you collecting like the weird toad monster things, or I don't know. Well, uh, well, also, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of sort of uh, stuff you can add on to your Pikmin that you have or lead, like you know, the weird kind of the, you know their heads kind of end up in a bulb or a flower. Maybe it's just going to be a well, lot of those for maybe, but there's also a whole mechanic based around that. Like at least in the game, the level of thing coming out of their head spoke to how powerful they were. Like the leaf ones were yeah. the weakest, the sprout was the middle, and the full-on flower was the most powerful version of that. And that was just based around how long you had them, right? Yeah, because how, no, how long you had them grow in the ground because you were pulling right. them out of the ground when you were getting new ones. But mm. I don't know. I if walking makes that flower bloom, okay, that could be a thing. But yeah, I yeah, I could yeah, I see a lot of room there. Now they are they're also going to publish a second app apparently, but they have not shared details on that yet. Pokemon Go two, <laughs> Pokemon Start all Go. over. Yeah, whatever happened to that Minecraft one we talked about a while ago? Did that ever actually happen? That I think we saw news on that 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 was gone. I, I believe. No, I I think I that that's. Know. That's closed, or yeah, I I think I remember reading some news on that that closing down, but I'm not sure if we covered it. Yeah, that that thing kind of happened and went, so we probably maybe we maybe missed it. But yeah, moving on. Want to talk about the Baftas real quick, Henry? Sure. It's kind of your jam in some ways. Uh, explain the Baftas real quick. So that is the British Awards. So for media, so it includes kind of everything. And like 
here where we kind of separate TV from movies. BAFTAs cover a lot more lot more ground, which includes a games category. Where uh, not just a category a category with multiple prizes within it. So yeah, BAFTA is stands for British Academy of Film and Television Arts. But yeah, it it tends to cover a lot more ground. I mean, it's so it says it's film and television arts. So already it's like whereas we have two separate ones, kind of for usually for TV and movies, they have a bigger one. And but yeah, now it's been including game, you know, video game, video games, and a lot of different awards for video games. So and I think that's really neat. And here are your uh, various winners: The Last of Us Two won for animation. Hades won for our cheat. Uh, Artistic Achievement, Achievement Artistic. Ghost of Tsushima won for Audio Achievement. Hades won for Best Game. Sackboy, A Big Adventure won for British Game? Whatever the hell that category is. That's a fantastic category. Probably developed in England. Yeah. Is Carrion, what I, because yeah. that one was. Yeah. Carrion won for Debut Game, or Debut Game, however you want to pronounce it. Such sea of Thieves game. won for Evolving Game. Sackboy, a big adventure, one for family. Hades, one for game design. Animal Crossing, New Horizons, one for Game Beyond Entertainment, which that's actually a good award for that game. Animal Crossing, New Horizons, also one for multiplayer. Not a bad category for that either. Marvel, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, one for music. Hades, one mm. for narrative. Kentucky Route Zero TV edition, one for original property. Uh, Laura Bailey, one for performance in a leading role for Last of Us 2. Logan Cunningham won for supporting role for Hades. He played Hades. Dreams won for technical achievement. And The Last of Us Part Two won for EE Game of the Year. I'm not sure what an EE Game of the Year is. Okay, that one was voted on. That was the only one that's voted on by the general public. Gotcha. Mm. Whereas the others are sort of the British Academy you know, chosen games. Which gotcha. I'm really glad that Hades kind of took all the, you know, took a lot of the categories on this one. I think it was more deserving, and this is something that, you know, keeps coming up, more deserving than a game that brutally pushed people to the, you know, to you know, to the brink of ruin, of psychological ruin, you know, with, with crunch. Whereas Hades, they had, like, no crunch. They They actually, that means that, they knew what the fuck they were doing in development. They planned it well. They planned out development well. They didn't work people to death to meet artificial deadlines. Yeah. Whereas Last of Us Part Two absolutely did that. So yeah. Um, I wonder if that had any, if that sat in anybody's minds when they were voting on, when they were, uh, you know, deciding on these things when it came to the British Academy. But in any case, yeah, I'm also glad to see that Animal Crossing won some very suitable awards. So, yeah. Yeah. Where'd it go from here? Want to talk about 2K real quick? Sure. They continue their buy-up of the sports games developers. They bought Hookbang Games, makers of the NBA 2K series. I They've been partnered for a while with them, I thought. They now just flat-out own them, I guess is the understanding. Yeah, the same. It's exactly the same thing they did with the HB Studios. It's like instead of just you know working with this 
you know, separate entity. They're just rolling it into their company, which at this point makes a lot of sense because these separate developers usually weren't doing a whole lot outside of working with 2K. So, yeah, uh, I guess they're they're bought them out because they want them to focus solely on these titles. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's going to make communication in those between the two, you know, between the studios and sort of the main main company a lot easier and where there's not all these issues about, well, what can we talk about? What can't we talk about? You know, NDA issues and so and sharing of technology. Yeah, now they'll have full access to all the technologies that like Hookbang and HB Studios had been using, as well as like better access and better communication. So it makes a lot of sense that they're buying them uh, and that they found the room to buy them because it's it's just going to make them make development a lot more smooth. It just all of it will happen a little bit faster. I mean, there's less standing in the way, less, like I said, less things like NDA and, you know, trade secret type stuff is no longer going to be an issue between them. So, I mean, it's actually a pretty big deal. And it's, it's actually, uh, you know, from the outside, it's going to be kind of seamless. You're not going to be able to tell, but on the inside, it's going to be a sea change. It's going to be a big deal and pretty big change. And it could be very, like I said, positive, helping them, helping the you know, communication and the sharing of technologies and such. So, yeah. Interesting, though. Yeah. Very, very interesting. All right, Joe, because you're the guest here. Microsoft, Reggie fils or Amazon? By what means? Which what, one we going what? to next? Let's go to Amazon. All right. Against all <laughs> logic, given the just ongoing success of Amazon's foray into the gaming market, they've opened up a studio in Montreal. <laughs> Power to them, I guess. This is with a bunch of former Rainbow Six Siege devs. A lot of them, actually. Yeah. But it's like... It's all going to be about who they put in charge. I mean, we talked about this at length. And it's the problem was the management and the leadership, which is, you know, same reason why, like I said, we discussed this at length, why the Stadia's first party studio absolutely collapsed. You have to have leadership in there that understands what it's like to make video games and making like triple A, especially triple A top level video games you have to understand that video game development is not a science. It's not engineering. There is engineering involved, but it's also art. And art is harder to capture and define and put into a neat little box and say, this is, these are the rules. You just follow this and you make the, make good game. That's not how video games work. You can't science out fun. You can't engineer fun. You can, there's things you can think about that go with game design and game development, but it's like, it's ultimately art. And if you treat it like engineering, you're going to get, well, games that are engineered, and but aren't necessarily fun at all, which is crucible. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, so I, say, I look forward to talking about Crucible 2 in three and a half years when it's released by this studio, and I'm equally confused by its existence then. Yeah, it's it's all about, you know, is Amazon going to properly treat this with the way that, you know, a game company or, you know, game studio needs to be run? Or are they just going to try to over-engineer it and put some the, and put somebody in charge that has no idea what game development is about? And a little bit of this move definitely kind of reeks of, hey, Ubisoft is in Montreal. Maybe we can entice some people to jump ship, but we'll see what happens on that one. Yeah, but, out, yeah I mean not. that's the thing. It's like you can get all the kind of you know good developers in the studio you want, but it's going to come down: is the leadership going to allow them to make games, or is it just going to like like mismanage the whole thing and you know create? Yeah, like I said, we we got a better view of why Stadia first party collapsed because. It's totally closed, so they no longer were under any sort of a contract where that didn't allow them to talk about what happened there. So we got a really good look under the hood. But with Amazon, I can only guess it seems like the same thing happened. But we'll see here. Like, are they going to let some the are they going to let the video game people make a video game, or are they going to try to you know? think that they know best that they know better than people who have been working on games for a long time. It's not to say that there are no new ideas that could be introduced into game development. Of course there are absolutely, but you also have to really understand the nature of game development. And it's not just engineering and sciencing out the idea of fun. There's a lot of fungibility to game development. I mean, uh, I think that's a really, really fair point that you're making about it being art. I mean, looking back on the awards ceremony that we're just talking about, Hades ran away with like all the biggest awards because they're a small studio who really looked at it as art, not just how much money can we make. Yeah. I think like increasingly people respond to games that like I, I play a bunch of games I describe as just games, but the ones I get excited about still the ones I go, yeah, that looks like something is the phrase I use a lot of the time. Describe it again. It's it's something that I haven't seen before. It's like it's, it's going beyond that. Like either it's got a narrative thing I'm vibing with, or it's doing something from a gameplay perspective. Or it's you no, know, that's that's a thing that you can talk about, not just yeah, it plays. Yeah, and yeah, and and like Joe, I'm sure you can talk to you know you've you've worked on games yourself. Like how it's not necessarily you know exactly when your ideas are going to hit you or when inspiration hits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, what's what's your insight on sort of the game development process? Um, I'm a little more on the outside of it. I, I mostly deal with the sales and marketing, but I was there for the whole development and the balancing and the really the polishing of the game. And I mean, it's a lot harder than people think. It, it really there's there's so much testing and so much trial and error and you got to get it in front of people and. They give you feedback, and sometimes it's great feedback. Sometimes it's bad feedback. You got to figure out what you need. It's there's so many moving parts, and I just like I that that statement that you made like really described it in a few words, and it it's art. Like that's really what you see with games, and those are the ones that stick with me the most. Are the games that I think back to, and I'm like, God, that game just it looked different. Like it looked different. It felt different. It didn't 
feel like I was playing a game. It felt like I went somewhere else. You know, like it, mm. it pulls you from reality. Immersion. And it, exactly. Like the full immersion of it. And I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of these big studios have missed and why I've stepped away from a lot of AAA games, a lot of these new releases. I, I don't even try them. I'd rather play a game that three people made in their spare time while working their nine to five just because they were passionate and they loved it. Like, I feel like there's so much more depth that's overlooked by some of these huge studios. And that's one thing that kind of scares me about Amazon opening a studio is I feel like they're going to just try and push out as much shit as they can, as fast as they can. And it's going to work their devs to the bone and they're not really going to have anything to show for it. I mean, we already saw the failure that was crucible from Amazon studio, which is why they've kind of restructured and completely just, Kind of threw everything out and are trying starting again. Yeah, you familiar it's- with the whole Crucible story, Joe? I'm not. No. So they released a game. I played it kind of on a whim to see how what it was, and it's the only game in recent memory, if not going farther than that. Like I think, like the last console generation that got unreleased. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's a uh, arena battler like. Uh, a character-based arena battler like a uh, Team Fortress 2 or whatever. Or, you know... Yeah, and I'm looking at videos right now. It was out there, and then they're like, yeah, it's going back to beta. Yeah, the beta's going away now, too. Like, you have to watch it, get released, and then go backwards through these phases of releasing, and it's just gone now, and it's not a good game. Like, it's not something you should be missing in any way, shape, or form. Like, but- like mechanically, like, the mechanics work like as in like from a pure engineering standpoint like the game is functional it's just not fun it's exactly the you know what i you know what we've been talking about is you can't engineer out fun you could and you and that's what google tried to do and apparently from what it seems what amazon tried to do and it's not to say that you can't have triple a games that aren't art like i would say that you know while you know Last of Us 2 overworked their devs, as did Cyberpunk. Like, those are obviously some works of art as well. I mean, yeah. And, you know, and so, and there's a lot of art that goes into the games. Like, you know, people, there's artists involved in every game. Like, there is, you know, as, as far as just even people making the digital media, as far as 3D models, 3D modelers and background artists and so much and sound artists and, you know, sound effects and music. And there's just, there's so much involved, so much different than say, even, you know, than they're thinking of video games as being way more made more like if you were engineering, say, a, app on a on a computer you know a, a norm a non-video game app you know like a uh say you know sound a a sound development studio or whatever you know or you know like audacity or something like that it's not that it's more like making movies and right. until like amazon and google google's given it up but if amazon doesn't realize that it's not like making apps. It's like making movies. They're going to make another app. Yeah, it's that, not just about functionality. Yeah, like it doesn't just it doesn't just move like cogs in a machine. There's there's so much more involved. Yeah, I think the thing we're all excited for and that's an ironic excitable is that MMO they're making has to come out eventually, and I for one cannot wait to see that thing happen. <laughs> 
given yeah. all of our lead up to it at this point. But uh, ready to move on, I guess. Like we could also probably talk this into a eight hour podcast if we weren't careful. But yeah, it's true. We've other stuff we need to get to. Let's talk about Ghostwire real quick. Or I guess more uh, Kumi Nakamura, the person we know as the kind of accidental face of Ghostwire, if you will. She's opening up her own studio, and she's... Are we a Throwing Shade podcast or a Spilling Tea podcast? I can remember which one we use these days. Uh, I think Spilling Tea is the new way of saying it. So are we keeping yeah. up with the cool trends? Yeah, let's... Uh, for our Gen Z listeners, uh, spill the tea, sis. Sure. Uh, so uh, as part of this kind of interview she had about this, uh, not the hottest of tea. It's also not tea that we haven't kind of touched on in past weeks, given some uh, interesting Capcom choices, if you will, based on, you know, when they got hacked. But yeah, so part of part of her reasons for moving on, finding her own and finding her own studio are revolve around the whole idea of I don't want for game deving to make me sick and miserable, which we all can appreciate, I think. It's a good article. It's a good interview, though, if you want to check it out. It's, it's cool. It's more of her being her. Again, like, people seem to fall in love with her for all the reasons you'd expect to come out of this. Uh, Henry, I know you got some thoughts on this one. Yeah, I mean, she she's uh, in a very polite way and indirect, which makes a lot of sense. She, you know, not really looking to make enemies early on, but she absolutely threw shade at Capcom for overworking people. That she she mentioned basically she left she ran away for her health and that that was that's a good thing to go away to to uh, for that but also she's uh, another thing that she's made very clear in the interview is she's like intends to achieve full gender equality in her new company that's a big one oh wow yeah i mean there has been such horrible for a gate- japanese studio yeah yeah there's so much horrible gatekeeping when it comes to women in video games yeah and i like the fact that she's very specifically speaking out against that so yeah um but yeah but yeah that's i yeah i'm happy that she's bringing it up and i hope she does really well with this new studio i'm looking forward to seeing what games they put out yeah microsoft time all right so we have uh two of the greatest things to face gaming culture in the last several years brought up this week by microsoft for one they are rebranding xbox live to xbox network i felt so personally attacked in my life i'm not part of no xbox networks i'm part of that live experience (laughs) but more importantly, they want to buy Discord. Yeah. We don't normally so, talk about this type of tech news, but given how interwoven Discord is with the gaming community and fuck, we use it for this podcast and just how fantastically Microsoft has treated Skype, everything. Teams, yeah, every voice chat and kind of thing like this in the past, it's worrisome if they buy it. But that's that's rumors. I mean, all right. So the fact is, Discord is looking to do something big, make a big move. It may just go public. That is, you know, have an IPO, an initial public offering. That's another like strong rumor that they're just going to, you know, put themselves on the stock market. So you know, rather than getting bought by a company outright, they'll just put themselves up for sale in a sense via IPO which that's the thing it's like uh, that would mean that they would still you know 
be able to, you know, possibly, you know, own control of their company rather than just handing over complete directorship of their company to another company. So uh, we'll see on that one. I'm not a fan of it. I like Discord as it is, but I get it from a business standpoint. It's kind of been the same thing for a long time. It's mostly the fear of just given how wonderfully Microsoft has treated all of its similar products in the past. I've College Humor put out a great video that was like Skype reacts to Zoom. It's like, yeah, no, we all act like Zoom is this monumentally new thing where it's like, no, Skype was doing all of this shit five, ten years ago. Like, what the hell happened to Skype? Yeah, well, the main thing with Skype is you can only do it with people that actually register to use it, whereas you can Zoom with, you don't have to have an account to Zoom. Not anymore, not for a while. Like, back in the day, yes, but yeah, no, it was... The fact that no one knows what Skype can do at this point is proof that, wow, what the fuck happened to Skype? Yeah. I'm going to just and hope that about, And we know that public. Microsoft bought out Skype. Yep. What were you saying, Joe? Sorry. I said, I, at this point, I just hope Discord goes public as opposed to selling to Microsoft. I just, yeah. I, I love Discord. I use it all the time. I think it's a great way to stay in touch with friends, but also it's great for the gaming community. I just, I would hate to see it ruined. Allegedly, yeah. it's been the, there's been some meetings with like Epic and stuff like that too, and admittedly, like despite Epic being Epic, there is that's a company I feel would be more co- okay with just letting them kind of keep doing their own thing. But yeah, I think I'm with you. The whole IPO definitely might be how I'd like to see things go. But also, as this podcast can attest to, we've seen IPOs go interesting ways in the past for various companies. A controlling share, if you will. Yeah. Stick with Xbox, though. We got some ID at Xbox news. Uh, if not for the ID at Xbox thing, it's their kind of showcase of stuff. And we're going to kick this off with they're adding a whole list of indie games, the Xbox Game Pass, which already is a fantastic, what's the right phrase for it? Bargain for your bit, uh, bargain for your dollar at that point. Uh, so I think by the time this podcast goes up, this will be on there, though. These are now available, but Art of the Rally, Astria Ascending, Backbone, Boyfriend Dungeon, Craftopia, Dead Static Dive, Edge of Eternity, Hello Neighbor 2, Library of Ruina. That's a strange name. Uh, Little Witch in the Woods, um, Moonglow Bay, Narita Boy? Yeah, Narita Boy. Narita Boy. Nobody Saves the World, Omno, Recompile, Sable. She Dreams Elsewhere, Stalker 2. We're going to talk about that in a second. The Ascent, um, Undungeon, Way, into, Way to the Woods, and Wild of the Heart are all coming to that. So they're obviously not out yet because Stalker 2 is not out yet. Mm. How the fuck is Stalker 2 an indie game? No, it is a small studio. Ah, that just baffles my brain. It's That's the thing. It's like there are some fairly small studios putting out some pretty big games, and it's because... You know, a lot because the tools to make games have become like game engines, especially with yeah. Unity and Unreal Engine, have become easier to use as well as, you know, open to the public. They're increasingly easier to use. So, mm. yeah, it's, but yeah, it's still a relatively small company. It's not that, all right. So it's around 200 people, which that's, that's like, one office of Blizzard. A sizable indie studio, but yeah. very small for large games. Yeah. I had no idea, yeah. 
it's a strange thing of Stalker being an indie game, given how long Stalker's been out there, but it makes sense. But kind of building off that, uh, ID at Xbox has paid, I guess is the wrong phrase, yeah, paid uh, the various indie devs as part of this across all the games, roughly two billion bucks and sorry, yeah, two billion in royalties, which that's not jump change at that point. It's a good shot in the arm of the indie community at that point. Yeah, so I mean, that's uh, that's great, great news. So I mean, that's uh, I think I think it's really good that I think it's a really great thing. I mean, of course, Microsoft's making money off of this yeah. as well, obviously, but they are opening up. I mean, it's been great to see indie games on consoles, and that's the big thing. Like, uh, <clears throat> and that's been just increasing over the you know over the past. 15 years or so we're started really really starting to see a lot of indie games ported to consoles and that's no easy feat especially it's a little bit easier now that a lot of the consoles are basically you know using you know they're basically stand- fancy PCs yeah they're using standard hardware as opposed to really kind of you know, we aren't seeing anything like the PS3's cell architecture where we're seeing kind of standard hardware, but there's a lot involved in trying to make a game specifically for a console, even for ones that are, like I said, more standard hardware. There's challenges there, but I'm glad to see that it's paying out and paying off that, you know, that Xbox or at least Microsoft is using this program and they are actually getting money back out to those indie developers and getting them to a much wider audience than they would have otherwise. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's over like roughly 2,000 different indie games in that service right now. That's pretty cool. I'm not sure I could name even like 2,000 indie games you put my mind to it. Yeah. And in this case, they are, you know, curating it a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that actually well, it doesn't helped. have the Steam problem of nothing but bloatware and like nine games worth playing. Oh my <laughs> god! Have you ever looked at the list of like under five dollar games, like on no, Steam? No, I don't go there anymore because uh, things happen there. Yeah, I I occasionally look in there just curious, and there is so much just like just kind of out there games, which some of them are like, oh yeah, some little. You know, somebody maybe by themselves put out a game here, but some of them are obviously like blatant copies of popular games done on the cheap. So, and Joe, I guess you're a little bit removed from, I guess, that part of the game world in some ways, given what you do. But is that a thing that gets talked about in your circles at all? Just kind of how weird that whole part of the PC land is at this point? What, just all the strange, crazy indie games that are out there? Well, I guess, like, you got the indie stuff that's worth playing, and you have just kind of, like, the tsunami wave of Rip-offs. stolen asset nightmare stuff, yeah, where it's, like, yeah. it's just it's just aggressive cash grabs. Um, I mean, obviously, we're all aware of it. We, yeah. we see what's happening, but a lot of the, the guys that I work with and are, are kind of in the, the arcade scene aren't really too worried about that. A lot of us don't release to anything like that and we are yeah, still pretty small communities i mean we're we're working on releasing our game to steam and everything we're just reworking a few elements that we feel need updating um but a lot of these games don't really go that route i mean uh killer queen if you guys are familiar with that yep. that's one of the the bigger indie games 
um, they created Killer Queen Black by going through uh, Liquid Bit, another studio, to help them port it. And they kind of changed the game, in a sense. I think it's the four-on-four as opposed to a five-on-five. I believe that was because the Switch couldn't handle ten players. Mm. Um, But there's not really too much that you worry about with with ripoffs or anything, because... I don't know. I mean, the games are just a little different. There, yeah. a lot of the games that are created aren't like the huge going to get millions and millions of players. No, yeah, no. It's 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 always kind of fascinating to me. We just have like the indie market is great, except for the part of the indie market that's like a ravenous, weird cesspool of stolen assets. And how how fast can I rip off this game and make exactly. a couple thousand bucks? Yeah. So yeah, I'm making, making the quick cash. So I guess I am kind of curious on like as far as like for the indie arcade scene. You're building them mainly on PCs, but I assume you're not building them for specific boards that you slot into a general, like, like kind of classic arcade cabinet. Are they boards or are they like running on you know, basically computers inside of cabinets? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. They're, they're pretty much games that are put onto a jump drive. Most of them, I think, thinking through a lot of the guys that are bigger in the scene, it, it's primarily all created in Unity and just thrown onto a jump drive and run um, Windows or Linux is, has been the most popular. There's just less restrictions um, from Windows, mm-hmm. and that's that's been the easiest way to run it. But yeah, it's, it's a fairly simple build. Um, what's inside the cabinet, it's just your standard computer. Most of these games are pixel art, so we're not talking about running 3080s in it. It's, it's a matter of, of an integrated graphics chip in the, um, the CPU. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how most of these are built. All the the real care goes into the cabinet and the components. I mean, we don't cheap on the components. When you when you get one of these cabinets, you're getting like the high end stuff that you would find in like a fight stick for somebody that's in the fighting game community. Mm-hmm. We're going to use really high quality parts. Cool. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I mean, it's a uh, and I guess that's the thing is like. And I've noticed more and more cabs are having that instead of like a board thrown in. That is like at a local arcade bar that's close to me, there are a number of the cabs in there that are basically running MAME. Yeah, MAME like, and they're, they're, Raspberry Pis are super popular. So yeah, they're basically just running a version of MAME with you know mul- tons of games on it. You know, so there are already a number of PC-based cabs out there, or or at least uh, hard, you know, PC-type hardware. You know, whether it's yeah, it's like Raspberry Pi, which is you know the kind of tiny computer, or it's more of a more of a full-size you know system. But yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah, uh, now that yeah, we are seeing more and more cabs that are small computers as opposed to proprietary boards thrown on a thrown in a cabinet. Yeah, it's it's just easier to produce them. It's not so much like the woodwork isn't terribly hard. You just find a company that does the CNC work. Hmm. You get the art put on there. You slap your own vinyl. I mean, making your own custom arcade cabinet is really not a terribly made a cool thing to do. Yeah. I mean, you can make it by yourself in your garage. And yeah. then with, with all these classic games, it's it's easier to just grab all the ROM and you can run all the old games on a PC. You know, legality of that, I have to say, is... If you're making money, there's a problem. Yeah. If you're just If it's for fun in your garage, you're in the clear. But I'm talking about, you know, these are cabinets that are out in the wild. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing them at more than one place with 
straight up like name with a skin on it multi you know multi multi game systems i'm like these probably are not quite super legal yeah i mean <laughs> like that's that's really sketchy a lot of these are made and it's it's once these companies care you know i mean these are tech giants in some cases and they don't always want to go after the small fish yeah yeah most of the games on these systems are you know 20 years 30 years old so like there there's not really going to be you know the kind of that own that might not even exist anymore that's part of the problem with that era of mm, stuff yeah right yeah some of those companies don't exist anymore though their ips may have been bought by larger companies right it is it's also just easier for the owner of the arcade i mean if you yeah. have an old arcade game that we're talking 40 years old those things break down all the time so now you've oh, yeah. got costs on maintenance and time yeah yeah i know a few streamers that keep that keep you know physical boards and use it with the super gun if you're yep. familiar with that yep. they they that's how they that's how they play them but they have to fiddle with them and fix them all the time like they 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 those break down quite a bit like yeah, got so. some emails about this, so let's do our last news article, then we can get to emails because we did get some arcade talk questions out of Perfect. our listeners. Great. All right, I'm going to tee this one up for you real nice and easy, Alex. All right. Reggie Fisa made to parts GameStop after one year. Uh-huh. Not that, that, that's all I got for you. I figured you'd have some thoughts. Um... It's all right, because, you know, stonks still go up. Fair enough. So we'll, we'll be fine. I just remember <laughs> kind of your glee when we went into this topic when he first joined. But, yeah, uh, Reggie right. Fisame, who was totally going to save GameStop, is now departing GameStop. Shocker. It's yep. all right. R- Roaring Kitty will save GameStop now. Good God. <laughs> we like the stonk. Uh, apparently, yes. <laughs> We're not financial advisors, but that does it for news this week, which means it's time for emails. And before we get into that, I do want to say thank you so much. Those of you who sent emails in the uh, weird amongst you, those that we in some way we kidnapped Joe. I'll be reading a couple of those in a second or two. But yeah, no, thanks for heeding the call on this one, making this one a fun guest interview episode. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to be here. WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. Spells it sounds down the show notes. Do the thing. And this one comes in aimed directly at our guest. Dear guest, which one of the crew was it that kidnapped you and forced you into this children's carnival nightmare of a gaming podcast? In the last episode alone, phrases like spike a Furby into a baby have been said. (laughs) So there's no way in hell you're here by choice. Cough once if you're if you're safe and twice if you need help. Jokes aside, the final podcast product is weirdly informative, comedic health sprint. How di- um, how different is what... Yeah, sorry, they kind of butchered this part. Jokes aside, the podcast is a weirdly entertaining health sprint. How different is the final product versus what being on the podcast is mm. like? Also, again, cough once for safe and twice for us to send in SWAT. Um, I am safe. You don't don't need to send in SWAT. Um, we got like eight emails that were along that <laughs> joke. Um, I I found Charlie on um more, it was Reddit. Or, yeah, yeah, it was Reddit. Yeah, I I posted on just a podcast Reddit. He reached out. Um, I listened to the show. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I like 
I run a, an interview style show. So it was kind of cool to be on one that's a little more like relaxed. I wouldn't say more informative because I guess that's kind of what I'm doing is informing. But it's just cool to be on something that is more of a kind of camaraderie and just chatty kind of podcast um, and- as opposed to mine is pretty structured and focused. And the the joke I definitely sent him, like, you've heard our podcast before, right? Like, you know, you're getting yourself into, we are a weird one. Yeah, I I heard it. I was on board. I mean, it it's it's a cool idea. I, I like the idea of, like, what have you guys been up to? And just, it, you guys cover such a wide range of just nerd topics in general. And all of you are so unique individually as to what you do and what you play. So I thought it was a good place for me to just show up and chat and I mean, share my perspective because I know I'm a little different than everybody too. Yeah, that's why we like having that's that's why the podcast exists in some ways. Like it's the joke has always been it's a gaming culture podcast as much right. of it's kind of a news with some structure based around it. It's just video games. We like talking about video games and they come in a weird variety of flavors at the end of the day. Yeah. On that. And being called unique is the nicest way I've ever been called weird before, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Ready for your first weird one, Joe? I am. <laughs> Dear guests, it's been a while since there was a food nightmare discussed on this podcast, and we the listeners were encouraged to do our worst. So, do you have a meal that stands out in your mind as a food crime? Keep in mind, this is an item like the pasta pie, non-social... Ma- What's this? Non-social Mexican food. What the fuck was that? Oh, sorry. Non-SoCal Mexican food. That's a weird typo. SoCal pizza and whatever the idiots can remember for examples. I have one, but I'm going to wait for our. our Let's give them an example of how some of the some of the weird stuff we've come across in our habits that we've talked about. Please don't let it be the Uncrustables again. We cannot get more emails about Uncrustables. Well, Uncrustables is a classic. It sets the table essentially. Does it? We got it so really many angry emails. <laughs> it really does. Oh. British people were so mad at us for telling them about Uncrustables. <laughs> or be comparing them to uh, uh, English pasties. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Joe, you come across a quote food crime as we call it on this podcast as of late. I don't even know. Um, that's well, such a hard question. It's such a f- good question too, but I I can't think of it. like I'm I'm really trying to wrap my brain around any kind of weird food that I've encountered. I um, love that the pasta pie is the one they remembered to name by name. Yeah, that sounds or, disgusting. Or like Pop Tarts' dessert ravioli is another, <sighs> that was another early tank one. that's kind of gotten more mainstream as I hear about it. I I introduced a uh, pizza. That's in big scare quotes there. Uh, that with like beet sauce and not pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> but you know what? Since we're on the topic of fucking food crimes, now you've given me a segue. Who the fuck is this guy on Twitter trying to shame the good name of Cinnamon Toast Crunch with this shrimp bullshit? Oh, okay. yeah. I'm convinced. Okay, look, I'm, I'm going to go full Alex Jones on this shit. I'm convinced this guy is a fucking secret black op operation <laughs> to besmirch the good name of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. All right? This is... See, no, Alex, I thought this was going to be like Captain Crunch. We're getting a new Cinnamon Toast Crunch where it was uh, sh- uh, Cinnamon Shrimp Bites or something. No! No! Fuck that! You don't fuck up a classic! 
Was that stuff proven to be real or fake? I can't remember last time I heard on that topic. I don't even remember. The thing is, it's happened before. It has? Yes. This is not the first time people have found fucking shrimp tails in Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No. This is is some false... It's accumulated sugar. I don't believe your false flag bullshit. It's but yeah, it's actually happened before. It's not the first time. Somehow they decided, I guess, to put the fucking manufacturing plants where it does both cinnamon toast crunch and apparently, I guess, fucking frozen shrimp or something. It's like, why would you put those two in the same facility? Uh, for the same yes. that A one steak sauce and cheese, it's go in their containers in the same facility. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not a known thing? Like it's it's mathematically possible to get a bag of cheese that's full of A one steak sauce. Is it like the day shift is A1 steaks off and then the night shift takes over and you're bagging cheese? What, I what assume you it's different machines, but they're both made by Nabisco and they both have <laughs> the same, like, four bottling locate or four packaging locations. I'm convinced it's literally like the night shift handles one side of it and the day shift handles another. There's a rivalry like the cheeses people look down the A1 steaks <laughs> people. They're like, it's like, oh, it's if you were a real adult, you'd be working the cheese shift, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wonder if the, I wonder if this is maybe a, a gamesmanship between the shrimp people and the cinnamon toast crunch people apparently working in the same fucking plant what big kellogg and public cump getting into bed together <laughs> if, that's, if that's the case if that's the case i'm saying it now fuck shrimp fuck your stupid ocean insects okay cinnamon toast crunch <laughs> is way better in every way shape or form and I will fight you and fuck this false flag operation by this asshole on Twitter. Which, by the way, the, this guy's name is Carp, which I thought was really interesting. Like, there, the, the, the whole the whole thing about this guy's name and like the origins of this whole thing was really interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but like, so the dude's name is Carp. He's married to Daniel Fish Fischel, which is like Topanga from Boy Meets World. Okay. Mm. Okay. He got the box of cereal at the Costco on Topanga Canyon. And he used to be a guest on a podcast called the Pistol Strip Podcast. What the fuck is going on? This screams false flag, man. I will not stand for it. I hate to side with Alex on this one. I'm coming around to his way of thinking on this. There's too many coincidences. Coincidences Coincidences aren't real. This is real fishy. Ah. Uh, yeah. Moving on to our next animal. email, now that Alex has ruined it with a pun. <laughs> uh, we'll let Joe have a moment to cool down after oh, that set of cinnamon-based hot takes. Uh, that's what comes in from, I guess, one of our Warhammer fans. Your <laughs> podcast of Filthy Heretics. Charlie does seem to know his bullshit about 40k lore, but it's time for something more on-brand with the podcast. I know there's a list of ranked shit shows. But does the podcast have a book of ranked grudges? Charlie, explain this. Skulls for the Skull Throne. Kyle, still a former Games Workshop employee. So the book of grudges, uh, the dwarves of the fantasy-based uh, Warhammer thing have a literal book of grudges where they write down every slight against the species committed by other species. Maybe it's clans, but like... And it's everything. Like, if you shortchange them in a deal, they will re- mobilize their army to storm your castle and kill you because they've been slighted. I'd like to point out that you just made a short joke about dwarves. You just added yourself <laughs> to the list, sir. Oh, I'm on that list tenfold. I used to, I played <laughs> Tomb Kings. <laughs> <laughs> 
played Tomb Kings and Lizard Men. I was a dwarf punting maniac back when I played fantasy. So what you're saying is dwarves have an essential burn book from like that Lindsay Lohan movie that they just keep grudges in? I hate that's how you put it, but yes, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're teenage girls that keep a burn book? And I'm supposed to be afraid of the fucking dwarves all of a sudden? You just made them even more adorable. I think Alex is now on the list of grudges for comparing them to Lindsay Lohan. Put them down the fucking list! That's still isn't gonna happen, you fucking dwarves! Get a stool and you can see you can look him in the eye or something, Alex. Right. You don't like to punch down, but you'll fight an entire dwarven army for Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. You're gonna throw haymakers, you better aim high, you short fucks. God. Oh, you're in a mood today, I like it. Okay, yeah. I- <laughs> I'm set off by the Cinnamon Toast Crunch shit, man. I was telling you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still cooling off that. from that. I'm cooling off from that still. I'm glad we led with that. <laughs> started off on a good foot, apparently. Uh, yeah, I, I think our news section is basically our book of grudges at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. We have our favorites. I think our shit show really is kind of a thing of... Well, oh, no, absolutely. No, rank, rank shit show is pretty close to that. Yeah, rank shit show is pretty much our burn burn book. Mine is a few things because like you can't really be mad at like the Spider Man musical shit. Like you can't really. I mean, there's some stuff on here you really can't be mad at. Uh, Kinda. Uh, well, I, mean, I guess maybe closer there here. would be the Krampus cast. Kramp- yeah, Krampus cast is when we kind of go over our burn book for the year. That's yeah. true. I gotta give you that one. Yeah. Does the indie arcade world have a concept of a book of grudges, Joe? Um, arcades you won't deal with anymore because they stiffed you all? Not really, no. Um, there are definitely some people that feel like they need to get a deal on every game. Sure. Um, there are arcades that a lot of us have reached out to that I'm not going to name names on any of these. There are a handful of them across the country, but... Um, they feel like they should be getting a deal on every cabinet, and that that, just, sense. that doesn't work for us. I mean, as a lot of us are teams of two, one, five, you know, and we're yeah. trying to turn it into an actual career, so we don't have to work other jobs. And yeah, that we can, we're not going to cut corners for everybody. Like yeah. we're we're already coming in low where where we are. So um, I guess that's that's the only thing that really gets anybody into the book these days. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. Uh, and it's like I could see cutting a deal if they're buying like a lot of cabs. Like it feels like a, you know, maybe a place that owns several arcade or arcade bars. And they're like, all right, we're going to buy like like 50 of your machines. Can you cut us a deal on that? Right. You know, yeah. Rather we'd than be, we'd be more than happy to do that, even with I mean, even if we're talking in the in like the six to ten range, we'd be happy to cut a deal. It's just when you're buying one, I mean you're talking about a cabinet that's between three and five hundred dollars to ship yeah. to you. You know, we usually eat that cost. So that's even less we're making. So if you if you want it, you're gonna pay full price. We'll be happy to promote you as much as possible with our social media and everything. But yeah, I mean, we're not really gonna come down on no, come yeah, down no, much. It's, it's it's hard on small studios. <laughs> Buy 10 arcade cabinets and we'll talk. Buy one arcade cabinet and you get to pay the discounted price of full price. Right. And we we appreciate everybody that's helped us out. And there are, there are arcades. I mean, I'll shout out Glitch Bar right now down in Fort Lauderdale. They've 
They've bought, I think, every indie that's out, they have one in their arcade. Awesome. They're, they're all in this. So if, if there's one place in the country, there's I think there's two or other two or three other places in the country that have them, mostly on the West Coast, but or on the sorry, on the East Coast in Virginia. But yeah, if you want to play these games, Glitch Bar in Fort Lauderdale, Florida has all of them. So that's your next trip. Cool. Well, we've got a moving on from that email to another one. We've got a uh turns out it's also slightly for jokes. I'm not sure if he knows the dark history of something, but this is definitely aimed at Alex, unfortunately. <laughs> glad You're I got my energy awesome. up. Oh, you, you have your energy up for this one, and this is definitely a Charlie ruins something for you, potentially, Alex. <laughs> oh, boy. That's just what I needed. Dear Wicked Awesome cast, since apparently the podcast has broken the seal on Warhammer stuff, I'm kind of surprised no one's revealed to Alex yet the secret uh, that he's secretly a giant uh, Games Workshop fanboy because of his WoW playing. More importantly, all this heretical talk is unimportant since it's obvious the true podcast gods are Gork and Mork. So, are you two familiar with the weird history of the Warhammer of the War? Uh, I guess the Warcraft franchise. Not I really know. So, Starcraft and Warcraft were both initially pitched, or I guess created as licensed games for the respective kind of Warhammer and Warhammer 40k verses. Like, the reason that Tyranids and Zerg look so goddamn similar in StarCraft, and that the Space Marines and the Space Marines in StarCraft look so goddamn similar, is because both games got part of the way through development and the relationships fell apart. Hmm. So there's a weird kind of set of the fan community. Uh, it's completely from the Games Workshop side, and it's people that are mad at all of Blizzard's success because both of the big, all the big games started off as big Warcraft games, hypothetically, at one point in time. Yeah, I, I've seen similar things happen. All right, so I was firsthand watched a studio lose its relationship, or at least it happened a little bit after I left anyway, uh, with, uh, all right, so uh, if you're familiar with Rift, the MMO Rift, uh, it was initially a Heroes of Might and Magic MMO because the creator of Heroes of Might and Magic was a part of the studio. Well, they was eventually pushed out, but he took the name with him. The original name was Heroes of Talara. So, yeah, that's that's a thing that that's, happens more often than people imagine where the game is like much of the way through and then, like, the relationship with the sort of IP holder disintegrates, but they're like, well, we still have this game, we just have to rebrand it. I mean, it's it's happened more than a few times, I'll say that. Yeah, that, that Age of Reckoning game I talked about a couple weeks ago was such a big deal in certain communities, because it was like, hey, because we got stiffed out of that MMO money from World of Warcraft, we're making our own goddamn MMO finally! Like, it was a like they had a whole promotional thing where it's like, are you still mad at Blizzard for making the game that they were supposed to make and then screwing us out of it? It's a weird relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's that email. Next one, that's a Joe-based one. Dear the guys, never said your name, but I think Joe. Your content's probably focused on arcade stuff, so I was wondering if you had any thoughts about pinball because of this. Not sure if you know this, but pinball's a thing that comes up here since... And since you've, uh, you're more in involved in the arcade scene, I found myself curious if you think pinball has a future with arcades despite... Uh, it's a weirdly worded one. Has a future within arcades despite... And this is admittedly the opinion of the podcast, not my own. 
the apparent decline in newer machines. I, do you have any overlap with that community at all, or is this kind of during the same space? So that's about the end of the relationship. Yeah, I mean, I I understand what they're getting at there. I I think pinball is awesome. I really enjoy playing it. I'm not very good at it. Um, not going to lie about that, but I think pinball belongs in the arcade and really with where we are in the industry, other than us indie guys, pinball is the only one that's continued creating games. So I feel like pinball is almost responsible for keeping the arcade scene alive. Um, there are a lot of, at least near me, um, I believe in St. Paul, there's a couple that are pinball exclusive. And I know there are a lot around the country that are pinball exclusive arcades. And I mean, the people that play pinball are dedicated, like they're locked in. So I'm, I'm on board with pinball. I love what pinball is doing. Uh, one of my favorite conventions that we go to, um, we try to go to every year is in Milwaukee called uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. And Stern comes out every year with their new, their, uh, their new pinball machines. Um, so I, I think, I think pinball is overlooked a lot of the time in arcades and I, I love that it's there. Like I, I don't really feel like it's a true arcade if there's not pinball there. Nice. I, You're welcome back on this podcast whenever you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, in case you didn't know, yeah, Charlie is has a great love for pinball. Like even even the really horrid cabinets that hate you, the horrid ones <laughs> are the best cabinets. Oh yeah, well it's like last week I was talking about having played. I went to the local arcade, well the one close to me, and played the Doctor Who pinball table. Which oh my god, that table fucking hates you. Oh god, that's such a difficult table you pretty much you have to bump it constantly like it everything goes straight down the middle if you don't or gets fucking stuck which happened to me i got the ball stuck in one of the areas i was just like huh and i let it hang there long enough for the game to cycle through like you know if the game doesn't get any input for a while but it knows the game it balls live it you see everything flap it starts to jostle everything that can be moved in the cab which is kind of cool to see but i was like oh yeah this is this is really and really stuck so i gave it a bump didn't manage to not tilt it and continued with the game such as it was i think after i bumped it i think it just went straight down the middle <laughs> sounds like that table oh god <laughs> i've that's, seen that's... two grown men almost flip that table over trying to get a ball unstuck from it <sighs> not that one specifically but that one's a notorious one yeah I've I guess like, this is maybe a personal question for me at that point. Is there, like, obviously this is the indie kind of gaming stuff, is there is there any type of indie swell, I guess, that are kind of the more tactile aspects of arcades, I guess? Like, obviously, you have the cabinets, but, like, they're opening up to skee-ball, pinball, all the other kind of more carnival-facing, but also just kind of games you really couldn't do in your home because they're big and they have big machinery in them. Like, is there a whole scene for that as well, or less so for the exact reasons I just listed? There's a little bit of a scene for it. Um, oh god, I'm gonna feel bad if I forget these guys' names. Um, but they, well, there, there's one at Wonderville in New York. Um, the guys with the Death by Audio Arcade actually made their own pinball, which is awesome for a, a local New York grunge band, I believe, mm-hmm. is what it was. Um, and that's the only one uh, in the country. It's got like a smoke machine and everything in it. It's 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 a really oh, cool machine. I must play this machine. Um, yeah, that one. That's in Brooklyn. That that arcade is in Brooklyn. Um, but the there's one company I want to say it's um, Spooky Pinball maybe um, they're a smaller studio uh, a lot quite a bit smaller than Stern um, and I want to say that they were the ones that landed the Rick and Morty deal 
Um, so they Ooh. were the ones that made the Rick and Morty machine. I, I think that was them. Um, but yeah, I mean, beautiful cabinet, super popular cabinet. I haven't been able to get my hands on it because it did come out like March of last year. So basically before everything got shut down. Um, but yeah, I think from, from what I've seen in pictures, they did a fantastic job with that, that cabinet. And I'm pretty sure they're a smaller producer. Not as small as a lot of the indie games that are coming out, but significantly smaller than Stern. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at their uh, website right now. It is spooky pinball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, yeah it's definitely, yeah, smaller. Looks like they've, uh, they also did one for Alice Cooper. Yep. Which is pretty awesome. Uh, they made a Domino's Pizza one, which I want to check that one out now for all oh, the wrong reasons. Made- they made a Rob Zombie one too. Ooh. Those are some big names they're pulling from Stern. I didn't yeah. know that they were landing projects like that. Yeah. So yeah, I see the you know Rick and Morty one, but yeah, like the other two I see are the Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie ones. I don't think though neither of those are on. I don't think any of them. It looks like all of them are sold out. They just they got so many orders. They're just like we can't make any more right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Played that was the Rob Zombie table. I liked it. That was huge in the arcade scene. Like if you got a Rick and Morty cabinet, like you were posting about that the day you got that cuz a lot of places could not get it. Yeah, I haven't yeah, unfortunately I haven't seen any of these cabs, but they look fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> oh, whoa, crazy. They also made a Domino's themed one. I just said that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I totally. I want to play that. it for all the wrong reasons. I'll say my joke again. Oh yeah. But, nah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. It's it's that seems to be yeah the harder thing to do because that's that's a lot of not just it's very specific CNC work. It's a lot of design. I mean, making a, a ton big of moving physical, parts. Yeah, so make, many moving parts. Yeah, yeah. The, making a physical pinball machine. Like even just a simple one just seems like, yeah, crazy difficult and so much very. It's like, yeah, with the you know arcades, you know the arcade units that are basically PCs inside of inside of units. Those are a lot simpler, but like a pinball machine, that's that just seems like a ton of work. I can see why they have a limited run on each of these. Yeah, and you've got to have a support line with that too, because I mean, yeah, anybody that knows pinballs know they break like crazy so you gotta have somebody to be able to answer that call and help somebody out as opposed to us where it's like hey our button is sticking we're like sweet we'll overnight you a new one done put it back in like it's just so much easier when we have less components so i mean props to them for taking on that task that's that's awesome yeah keep pinball going yes keep it all going yeah thank you for ending on that one we got one more for Joe. We got one more kind of podcast. Jen, we're going to tick off real quick. Hey, Wicked Awesome Cast. As someone who bought Avengers and thought you were a little hard on the game last week, I do an apology. <laughs> Fucking Outriders <laughs> demo has a higher constant player numbers than the Avengers. You'd find that funny. No question. Just curious now. Is this fine? Is it finally time to try Anthem? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. That's funny. Today is today is the perfect fucking time to drive to dive into Anthem. This is never a better time to try Anthem. Yeah, it, it can only get better. <laughs> they shut the servers off. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, Anthem. <laughs> we were really hard on that game last week. Oh, yeah. That game, I was so excited for Anthem, and then it's just... Oh, Anthem, we, Anthem's an ironically beloved property around these parts. The Avengers no, game. No, we it's fucking it. not. Well, okay, to be fair, Anthem, Charlie really likes Anthem, and like Anthem has some really good redeeming qualities. It is, I don't know if you've listened to me rant about the Matrix Online, uh, Joseph, but like, I, it's a, it's a game that for all intents and purposes is not that great, but it, it holds some near and dear nostalgic value to me. Both games had some special features we both enjoyed. Let's leave it at that. Yes. We're not rehashing this fight again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for the record, Matrix Online lasted longer than Anthem. Yeah, but I can play Anthem right now. So I can play Matrix Online right now. You no, know, I can play real Anthem right now. You have to go to a short I can play real Matrix Online right now. <laughs> uh, last email. Hey, Wicked Awesome Cast. Obviously, the last year has... Uh, been a year of some brutal changes for all for arcades of all types. Speaking to someone who never thought of myself as a germaphobe before COVID, but now kind of hesitates with the idea of having to open a door. What do you think post COVID arcades will be like? Obviously, a lot of whatever survives will be as it was, but a lot of what it was was tightly packed, poorly air circulated spaces with sticks that were really ever cleaned. Curious what you and your guests' thoughts are on this. So. I guess I guess some, some context. This has been the year and some change at this point now of like a bunch of Japanese arcade closures. I'm assuming a mm. bunch of U.S. arcades have been hit mm-hmm. pretty hard as part of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, has there been talk about this in your circles at all? Like, is there a how arcades think they're going to handle post COVIDness, or just they're backing on vaccines and people will bring them back in? Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody's just been talking about it, like every other industry. I mean, sure. every inter- entertainment industry is going through the same thing. I mean. Other than AMC and GameStop getting, well, I guess GameStop doesn't really count, but AMC getting the the whole burst to their stock prices just because Reddit thought it was funny, kind of thing was is one. But you know, I mean, they're they're still struggling as packing all those people into a theater oh, yeah. to watch a movie. So it's it's the same idea. I mean, I think with time, everything will be okay because I mean, we've been exposed to things like this forever. You know, yeah. this one just like really blew up. Um, so I feel, I feel like eventually it'll be okay, but it's, it's always hard to say. I mean, all these arcades are doing what they can do. They're spacing games out. A lot of the guys that I've talked to are renovating, they're redoing electric, they're redoing ventilation. They're, they're taking a ton of steps to really, like you said, I mean, a lot of them are kind of grungy and the the idea you get with an arcade is it's basement and it's kind of dirty. And so a lot of these guys are, are kind of bringing their presentation up to a new level um, to make it look a little bit nicer. But I mean, I think it's just going to be time. You know, people are going to realize that there's, there's always going to be a way that we can get sick, you know, and, and until everybody is comfortable again with going out, you know, yeah, sure. if, if you're not comfortable, don't go. That's, that's really the only thing that you can say. I mean, these, these owners are going to do everything they can to make people feel comfortable. Well, that's I, the truth. Oh, I guess a kind of weird building off of that. Like, Obviously, the parts I get swapped on cabinets and stuff like that. Is there a concern, or I guess, kind of has anybody attentioned and paid to the fact that, like, they're going to be going under more cleaning at this point? Hypothetically, like, they are. Sure how many they're already from- going under way more cleaning. Yeah. I mean, 
there there are arcades that opened up kind of right when they were able to, and they yeah. had people wiping machines down every fifteen minutes. You know, they they hired people that literally did nothing but clean machines. Well, I, I was asking more from an angle of like. If you wipe down plastic with a solvent enough times, it does eventually start to degrade. Like, is there a word? Oh, like that, crazy. Yeah, like are the parts going to have to be swapped out more or something like that? The, yeah, I mean, I, I know some places have, um, I mean, thinking, I'm even thinking to Glitch Bar, I want to say that they did this, but they, they put like plexiglass over everything. So hmm. they've got like a plexiglass cover over all the vinyls and everything on, on the play area. So as time goes on and they keep wiping it down, you know, it eats the plexiglass and not the, the art. So yeah, it's smart. Um, that's going to be to each arcade's discretion. And obviously the state you're in, some are more laid back, some are not as laid back and time will tell. I, I don't, I don't really have any, any professional opinion on this because I, I don't run an arcade, you know, that's not oh, my sure. issue. It's move the cabinets. That's my job. So, yeah. Um, and just promote the scene. But I, I hope I hope that we don't lose too many of them. You know, be sad to see the arcade scene disappear because of this. It was coming back in a cool way too. It could finally manage to find a way to reinvent itself. That oh, like crazy! We were getting sick. we were getting the arcade bars. They were everywhere. You couldn't you couldn't go to any major city and not find five or six of them. And they all have Simpsons and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, like those those party games were huge because that age group that played those in the arcades is now at drinking age. So why not just merge drinking in games? I mean, we've been doing it forever, right? Yeah. I, I, and it's funny because like in the kind of late nineties, early two or like kind of the early two thousands, there was this kind of a brand new sort of explosion of arcades where they were t- started to target them more towards adults I mean, I think that's when like Dave and Buster's became a thing was the early 2000s and then kind of died out again. Like some of the places that I, I arcades that I went to at that point, like the big ones like actually closed. And then in the 2010s, we saw this sort of resurgence of arcades, but kind of almost all of them are arcade bars, which is a little weird in a certain sense, because it's different. Well, I guess it was strange to me because it was different for people that didn't see anything differently than I suppose it wasn't. But, you know, when I was a kid, it was like really marketed, you know, as much as kids, as much as adults, you know, with, you know, with both, you know, pinball being sort of a lot of older kids and adults would play that. And, but yeah, with, yeah, but yeah, with the arcade bars, you kind of shut off the kids from the games in a certain sense, but it's because most game, most kids have gone to playing games on consoles instead. So it's, it's been interesting watching the evolution of just how people play games. Yeah. I mean, the whole industry is just completely different. We, we went from so much of uh, playing games shoulder to shoulder and, talking shit to your best friend to anybody that's over the age of nine can cuss you out online now you know it's yeah and there's there's no repercussions nobody gets <laughs> afraid of anything punch them for it yeah it's the exactly worst. like that's the thing is you like i think that's the big thing with a lot of us indie game guys is we we really want to bring that community back and you see that in the killer king queen community is like mm-hmm. you'll be in a game and it gets intense and there's yelling and name calling and whatnot and then after the game they're like dude, that was awesome. Great move. Like you did this or whatever. Like there's just way more community to it. And that's what I really find different is I miss like land parties and like 
playing games online with your friends when like it was just starting back when I was playing like Halo 2 and Gears of War yeah. and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I just I think that this industry should not die because it's just revitalizing that that community of like like the the fighting game community is the perfect example of this. Like they'll go out to tournaments and play next to each other, and there's so much trash talking, but there's also so much respect. And I feel like that's been lost a lot on, on online games. Like, I mean, even in League of Legends, honestly. Oh God, League of Legends is the so probably toxic. the worst. Oh, I like, stopped playing a long time ago because of how toxic that community is. Game starts, I just mute all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's, that's how the game goes. Just mute all and just play until it's over. The correct yeah. way to play League. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like you mentioned before, like, I, for one, looking look forward to punching nine-year-olds in the arcade again. Like, <laughs> this podcast. It's just great. I look, you know, nice little kitty punch for a kid who beat me at Street Fighter. It'll be great. Yeah, if, if there aren't faint strands of coke from the previous user of the pinball machine on it, <laughs> you can play pinball. Yeah, it's... Right? If there's not like nine cup rings on a pinball cat at any point in time, were you even in an arcade? Yeah. If if well, I can't karate chop a kid and take his tickets to go buy myself that rubber stamp from the uh, from the vendor, then wh- why why what is life worth living at this what point? What are you then? even doing? Yeah. What are you even doing here? Okay. What I found interesting in Japan is you had kind of, especially for fighting games, you had less of the sort of you stand side by side on the same cab to they have these cabs where it's like candy cabs. Each, yeah. Each player is on a side and has their own screen. Yeah. And so what I would get sometimes like when I was playing kind of competitively uh, in King of Fighters and practicing on cabs is, uh, you know, the person would kind of stand up and look over at me <laughs> after the game. And that's the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, but yeah, it's, yeah. And I, I didn't really see a whole lot of, you know, kind of trash talking there, but I think that's more like, of an American thing, honestly. Yeah. But definitely like some people like after a game, like a good game, just like kind of stand up and look over the cab and see who they're playing. <laughs> Because, yeah, when you're sitting down, you can't quite see who you're playing because it's blocked. You each have your own monitor on each opposite side. But, yeah, it's it's a, yeah, there's a sort of a, yeah, it, when you realize that, you know, the people are standing there physically, it's, it's a different vibe. And I like that vibe. I always have. And I kind of grew up really in arcades a lot more than even playing on console. I hung around in arcades constantly. Whenever I went to the mall, it was always the arcade. Like, I would bicycle to the mall just to go to the arcade and nowhere else. Yeah, as someone who thinks the correct way to play a pinball machine is in a Holiday Inn hotel at 1 a.m. in the morning because, and you had to break into the space to play the pinball machine anyway, I yeah, it's lack of in-person gaming is definitely something I miss in that area of things. Yeah, and it's even, you know, still weird right now because you know, everybody's kind of in the arcade, you know, keeping, you know, doing their thing and keeping their space. And so, you know, I luckily, like when I've gone to this particular one, I usually have gone with a friend. I've generally gone with a friend and we both play, you know, we'll play together on some games and then sometimes just watch each other play, which I kind of miss that too, being able to just sort of watch somebody that's good at a game play. Like, you know, watch somebody who's really good at pinball just really rack it up. Uh, and, yeah, not really going to be doing that at the moment. 
But I look forward to that yeah. sort of coming back, the communal space, the physical communal space. And yeah, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. That does it for our emails. Um, yeah, so that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, thank you for writing in, everyone. Again, wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate the extra showing of Weird Force this week and the actual on-topic questions for our guests. Good on you. You can go back to being maniacs next week, I suppose. <laughs> Keep sending stuff in. <laughs> yeah, that does it. And this is uh, Joe, this is kind of the part of the show that you probably didn't make it to because it's often an hour and a half to two hours into the episode at least. But yeah, this is kind of where we close it out. If you got any kind of profound final thoughts, if you will, or something you want to promote or some kind, now's your space to do so. We will we all have something to talk about. Typically, normally it's our own kind of personal streaming stuff. But so you got checking. Yeah, so you have a second to kind of collect your thoughts. Let's start with you, Henry, because you got your stream and stuff to promote. You got anything going on this week? All right, so I am Kraken Zero. That's spelled Z E R Zero, and that is on Twitch, which is where I generally stream. But also, if I'm streaming, I'll usually be posting about it on social media, including. Uh, now Twitter, but also in, mainly Instagram and Facebook. Basically, the I Twitter and Facebook are mirrors for my Instagram account. But in any case, if I'm streaming, I'm usually on there. I'm not streaming. I haven't streamed in a while. Just been really busy. I've had a lot going on, so I haven't actually been streaming recently. I, I still haven't made emotes, even though I made affiliate not long ago. I need to actually. I'm, I'm working on somebody with some emotes at the moment, but. In any case, I I will be practicing a few games. There's like, all right, so I did a recent Sega Crew marathon, which uh, where I played Panic. Well, it was an FMV marathon. It was all FMV games. So that was awesome. But I'm probably going to be a part of another marathon that we're doing, which is just sort of a all Sega games all around marathon. That'll be coming up in like a couple of months or something. And I maybe I going to try to practice a few games that I'm playing on playing for that. It's the third one that's being done. So some of us, myself included, are trying to taking on the third iteration of games. But another part of that is we use, there's usually a big Sonic race, a hilarious Sonic race between everybody that just kind of devolves into madness. And But in any case, yeah, I may, I'll probably be practicing some uh, I think I'm going to try to play Valus 3. It's that's a brutal game. I'm not sure. It, there's a, there's a big gatekeeping level, the ice level that's well known. But in any case, yeah, I'll probably be practicing that game or, you know, playing a game that causes me less grief. But maybe uh, some Toe Jam and Earl, which which I love. But yeah, I yeah, if I'm going to be casting, it's going to be on my Twitch and I'll be talking about it on social media. Yep, that's it for me. Anyone got anything else? Um, I guess I'll uh, I'll throw in mine, but uh, you can catch me on Mail Online across all these social platforms: uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, Facebook Gaming. Uh, did I miss one? YouTube. So yeah, it was a content drought, but it's probably because I'm keeping up with the immersion of WoW. Um, but I might post something at some point. Who knows? We'll see. But yeah, follow me there. I might actually stream some stuff this week. Who knows? 
Joe, you have actual stuff to promote, I suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can do that. Um, yeah, I just I guess first off, I just want to say thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Yeah, um, for having you. It's a yeah. much longer episode than I'm used to doing, and like you said <laughs> at the beginning, it is a marathon. So I'm, I'm I'm glad that we made it through it. It was fun talking about everything. Um, the end of I the learned, road. Learned some new stuff about the some news that's going on. Some games that I hadn't really looked into. Um, I guess on my end, uh, if you want to check out the game that me and some friends made, it's called Galactic Battleground. Um, no S, that would be the Star Wars version of it. Um, we are on pretty much all social media platforms as that. I think the only one that's different is Twitter. I think that's like at GBG the game or something like that. Um, from there, I guess uh, the Indie Arcade Wave stuff, we cover different Indie Arcade guys uh, from Killer Queen to Death Ball, Switch and Shoot, Armed and Gelatinous, Cosmotrons. These are all indie games that are have come out with arcade-dedicated cabinets. Um, and we've even started featuring a lot of other arcade or just indie games in general. Um, I've just really gotten into the indie community. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I think I even made a TikTok recently just for the hell of it. Um, it's all under Indie Arcade Wave. Um, and we should be releasing some new stuff soon. Uh, new episodes go up every Friday on major podcasts and YouTube. And we are currently working on some new stuff for Galactic Battleground, uh, trying to push a Steam release this year. So you can look out for that. And that's about it for me. Yeah, I'll put links for all that stuff that I can down in the show notes as well so people can find it easily, as we typically try to do for that type of thing. Uh, yeah, nothing new on my end. Mordak, M-O-R-D-4-K on everything worth following me on. Go fight with me on Twitter about something. I'm not sure what I'm fighting with people about these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that does it for this week, then, if we're all talked out, if you will. Uh, again, thank you for joining us, Joe. Uh, you survived your first Wicked Awesome cast. Uh, not everyone does. <laughs> Isn't that right, Alex? Shadow Realm resident. Yeah. <laughs> I had fun. It, it was it was fun. It was definitely an enjoyable experience. Ah, we try to have it fun here, I guess, is the way of thinking of it. Now, uh, have you made it to the end of one of these things? You know how we close it out? Because I figured we'd give you the uh, the honor of saying the magic words that ends this nightmare train. I have not. I've made it really far, but I always oh. listen when I'm driving. So sometimes I just get out of my car, and that's just it's where I stop. All right. So we, we, we have a kind of a... We kind of cut to some hard music at the end of this, and it's a simple phrase of cue the metal at the end of this. So uh, and if you're ready, just say it, and we'll get the hell out of here. Cue the metal. Cue the metal.